106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I hate, I hate that it had to be this way, but y'all made me do it. You made me like Trump, and I'm going to tell you why you made me like him. When y'all first came out and said he was racist, I took y'all word for it because I don't watch politics, okay? But everybody that told me he was racist and everybody that talked bad about him in the beginning... Two, three years later, y'all was still talking bad about him. And I said to myself, hold up. This man can't be doing everything wrong. So I went and did my own investigations. And boy, what I found was a new way of life. You made me do it. You made me do my own homework. And I dove deep. Let me, let me give you a word of advice. If you want to convince the world not to like somebody, you can't talk about everything wrong that person does. Because it looked like you're a hater when you do that. Trump 2020. I did hope, for the sake of our country, that Donald Trump might show some interest in taking the job seriously, that he might come to feel the weight of the office and discover some reverence for the democracy that had been placed in his care. But he never did. You don't want bullshit in Delaware. Now. We're tired of the lies from the Democratic Party in Delaware. Joe Biden doesn't do nothing here. I'm from, I live on East 28th Street, right across the street from the projects. I have never seen Joe Biden a day in my life, never, to come to Delaware and do anything. It's lies. It's all lies. What is he going, four years, Donald Trump's been in the office for four years, cleaning up their mess for over a hundred, hundreds of years. It's Dang. not his fault. This Dang. is their politicians. This is the change. Donald Trump is the change for us. That's right. For the Amen. Yeah. And what they need to know. And something that I've always admired about you, Joe, is... Uh, you know, uh, uh, yep. My name is Kim Klasik, and I'm running for Congress in Maryland's 7th District. And like Shirley Chisholm, I'm unbought and unbossed. Let me remind you, the Democrats have controlled this part of Baltimore City for over 50 years. And they have run this beautiful place right into the ground. Abandoned buildings, liquor stores on every corner, drug addicts, guns on the street. That's now the norm in many neighborhoods. You'd think Maryland taxpayers would be getting a whole lot since our taxes are out of control. Instead, we're paying for decades of incompetence and corruption. Sadly, the same cycle of decay exists in many of America's Democrat-run cities. And yet the Democrats still assume that black people will vote for them, no matter how much they let us down and take us for granted. We're sick of it. We're not going to take it anymore. The days of blindly supporting the Democrats are coming to an end. In Baltimore, we have the highest number of black Republicans in the entire country running for office this election cycle. Joe Biden believes we can't think for ourselves, that the color of someone's skin dictates their political views. We're not buying the lies anymore. You and your party have neglected us for far too long. We want safety in our neighborhoods. We want to make the most of the federal opportunity zone I'm standing in right now in West Baltimore. We want higher paying jobs and more business opportunities. We want lower taxes. We want school choice. We want a chance to get ahead, not just get by. That's what President Trump promised, and that's what President Trump delivered. I want Baltimore to be an example to Republicans around the country that we can compete in our inner cities if we reach out to the citizens and deliver real results. 
President Trump is bringing this country back roaring. He's bringing the American spirit to life for all Americans. So I'm asking you to help President Trump complete this great American comeback. And then I'm asking you to help me start this great Baltimore comeback. Thank you, and God bless America. Good evening. How are you doing out there? This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. This is the 74th episode, and the date is August 29, 2020. You may think, how come I keep saying that? Well, I had a former congressman call me this week. I didn't even take the call because I thought it was a solicitation for money. Then I listened to the voicemail, and, and he was asking me, to discuss an article with him about Kamala Harris that I wrote in July 16th, I think it was, 2019. And so there's a reason why you date things. And so people, some some listener or reader to the Territorial Dispatch remembered that article and somehow could lead that guy to it, and he wanted to discuss it since Kamala Harris is now uh, running for vice president. Thank you for listening. However, you got here and it could have been off the uh, podcast source and that's called no hostages radio, or it could have been, maybe you stumbled across our website, no hostages, The difference is some people say listening on your phone is better listening right from a podcast. Cause it doesn't go to sleep or something like that. I'm not a professional at this, but I'm just taking people at their word that they know what they're talking about, and they've checked it out themselves. I haven't. When you listen to the website, like I've listened to the website on my laptop, and it just plays continually right on through if I want to listen to and see if I'm uh, sounding really terrible or not or what I had to straighten out. Uh, so nohostagesradio.com is the website, and it has all of these episodes all the way back to episode one, and it has... Uh, a hundred and uh, however many, 46 or 48 articles uh, for the Territorial Dispatch. Uh, obviously, I'm not expecting you to go read them, but uh, they're there if if you need to go back and look at something. If you need to get a hold of me and ask me a question about such things, like this gentleman did, he called me on the, on the phone uh, this week. If you need to get a hold of me, you, it's easy. Uh, just do Lou, L-O-U, at NoHostagesRadio.com, L-O-U, at NoHostagesRadio.com, or you can uh, dial me up or text me at 530-713-1838, 530-713-1838. You can call me 24 hours a day, but I am on the uh, West Coast if you're curious. I, I'm here in Northern California or the what they call the Left Coast. So happy days uh, there. Uh, I have, you know, it's like the Charles Dickens tale or the uh, story, Tale of Two Cities, I think it is. 
Uh, these are the best of times and the worst of times. So I'm never happy when the country has been disrespected. Police are being disrespected. Military is being disrespected. People are being beat up that didn't do anything wrong, didn't, you know, didn't want to start a fight. They're just innocent bystanders. And uh, there was a child that was shot in the head uh, intentionally. Well, he didn't catch a stray bullet. He was shot in the head intentionally. And, and uh, normally I try to edit out the F-bomb. And But there, uh, there's a clip in the third break today uh, that uh, a guy's talking about this murder of this boy named Cannon Hennant, H-I-N-N-A-N-T, Cannon Hennant, a five- or six-year-old boy who uh, a black fellow shot him in the back of the head. Cannons happened to be white. All that kind of color stuff didn't make any difference to me, except the media didn't even hardly cover it. But... I had a lady contact me from our local area here asking me if I'd be willing to write an article about the fact that the media didn't cover it. But there is a clip there. Uh, a guy's talking for a few minutes, uh, and I think he's on YouTube a lot making doing commentary. And, and he uh, uh, drops the F-bomb a num number of times because he's furious. I, I don't think it's uh, – the Bible talks – Bible tells me, and I try to follow the Bible best I can uh, – uh, it says to watch your mouth, right? And there's sometimes when I just can't find a better word than, than dropping the F-bomb. I don't drop the F-bomb publicly, but uh, but sometimes uh, it's hard to find another word other than a cuss word to describe something that's really egregious. So at the third break, I'll try to remember to remind you, and you could, you could just fast forward it if that's the way you work or you can turn the volume down or whatever and skip that clip although it's a very very good clip and then uh Ta tommy laren has another clip right after it that hers is also good but no uh no gnarly language uh okay so i was just looking at the uh, clips i uh, hope you enjoy it for if you're new i take a break about every 20 minutes and drink something uh just a swig while you listen to five or six minutes of clips that I put together that are current events that uh, it's better said the way they said it than the way I could say it. So uh, I think it's uh, better. So we do it that way. Okay. I wanted to mention also right from the beginning that I've been kind of following this because I'm affiliated or I, I've been involved with Church of Glad Tidings in Yuba City, California for many years. And uh, when I heard this was going to happen, I was a little skeptical because sometimes people, they get their facts wrong or they get their information wrong. Uh, just they're innocent. They just, uh, they hear something and they, they assume something. So when I heard that Dinesh D'Souza who's a world-class author and filmmaker and uh, a, a, a conservative apologetic. Uh, he's a debater. I don't know if you've ever seen him on YouTube debating. Dinesh, D-I-N-E-S-H, and then D apostrophe, S-O-U-Z-A. You just need to go and look at him. His mind, uh, he got a better mind than I did. Uh, that's just the way it is sometimes. Some people just can think really clearly and speak really clearly. Dinesh is one of those fellows, and uh, Dinesh was put in jail by the Obama administration because uh, he stepped on their toes over there, and so uh, they 
they nitpicked him on some uh, contributions, political contributions, and they not only just gave him a little fine, they put him in jail for a while. Now, that happens all the time, and it, it's happened locally here, but unless you have a, a district attorney that's willing to prosecute political crimes, uh, like, for instance, uh, we have Pat McGrath here in Yuba County that could have prosecuted Ricky Scamayoa, uh, mayor of, of uh, Marysville, for two $5,000 donations connected to the granting of an appeal for a marijuana dispensary. But Pat wasn't interested, neither was he interested in the illegal Measure K because he was a part of it. So when you have, you know, like I said last week, I think when you have a law without any prosecution, you have really no law. So Dinesh D'Souza is coming to town uh, on behalf of a Air Force veteran, Tamika Hamilton, who was the uh, second highest vote getter in the primary election uh, which included Sean Foyt, the worship leader, world-class worship leader, uh, and also John Garamendi, who is uh, almost as old as Methuselah, never had a job in his life, uh, went from college to politics and been living off the the taxpayer's dime since then. He's If you wanted somebody close to Obama, he would be the white Obama. And uh, they gerrymandered this district up here to add a county and a half or so of liberals. So it's very difficult for a conservative to win up here. So Tamika Hamilton uh, got more votes than Foyt. So she is the, uh, you know, in in, uh, California now, it's an open primary in the sense that whoever the top two vote getters are, whether they're both Republican, both Democrat, both Libertarian, whatever they are, they run off. Uh, so you could have no Republican event against a Democrat at all. They, somebody, the two have to land in the finals. So Tamika uh, ended up being the top vote getter out of Republicans and happened to be number two. So she's running against Garamendi. So she's around town. You'll see her all over. She was up here. I think uh, I haven't met her personally, but she was up here uh, at a, uh, the flea market out here, whatever they call it, swap meet or flea market out on uh, Simpson lane. Uh, She's been, she's got a lot of dates up here in this area. I hope she's doing a lot in Yolo County because this area will, uh, will probably, uh, majority will vote for her, although she needs every v- vote she can get. There's only one way that you're going to remove an incumbent with, you know, some people can't high, can't uh, count as high as this guy's been in office. Decades he's been in office. And uh, it's tough to beat an incumbent like this because he's got a fundraising machine um, and he is the Democrats are trying to keep control of the Congress where Nancy Pelosi is the speaker. Now, if they were to lose control of the Congress, that means Nancy Pelosi would no longer be the speaker and you would have a Republican speaker. So all these people that are running up and down the state of California for, um, or throughout the United States for Congress, uh, you can donate to them. In fact, I just donated, uh, I've donated to Tamika Hamilton, but also uh, there's a lady that I'm going to, that you just heard uh, on the intro 
uh, Kim Klasik out of Baltimore, and I just sent her some money. You know, if you think, oh, well, you know, I, I'll just pray for them. You know, uh, that's good that you're going to pray for them, but God always says if there's something you can practically do for people and just praying for them, that's a cheap shot. So uh, if, if you know, I was... People just don't, you know, people that claim they're conservatives or claim they're Christians, and yet they never will invest their lives, which includes their money and their time, into candidates. How how are you ever going to get a Christian candidate or a godly candidate in office? And how are you ever, Dave Bryant at Glad Tidings last Saturday night was talking about this, how are you ever going to get godly leadership and godly governance if you don't have people that are following God in those positions. Some of those people are perverts, they're pedophiles, they're Satanists. You're not going to get godly governance. And the Bible simply says that. And our forefathers. So I want to recommend a book to you. And if you're homeschooling your kids, say teenagers, um, or middle schoolers on up, on up to high school through high school. This book is be- better. Every high school kid should have to read this book before they, before they get out. So thank God that the schools are shut down. I mean, there's this. I wish the kids were all back in school for one reason is that, that they could uh, play ball and and do their events and be involved in drama and music and all that kind of stuff, art. But. If your kid's going to be home, I'm telling you, I'm reading this book right now. Somebody mailed this to me. I think it was the company that, I don't know who mailed it to me. I put it on my shelf. I didn't read it for years. Then one day I thought, I'm going to read this book. And it, it is um, it, it is shockingly good, shockingly good. And uh, I recommend this to you to buy it for all your young people. And if you, if you, just got a little dip into the Constitution when you uh, went, or how the Founding Fathers came about, what they believed. You know, you hear all this liberal baloney about what they believe, what they didn't believe. Oh, they weren't really Christian. Well, they kind of believed there was a God, but you know, but they, but then they were sinners. Yeah, all, all of us are sinners. So you know, you hear all this baloney. But this this is a great book, and I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the title of it. It's called the Five Thousand Year Leap. The 5,000-Year Leap, Principles of Freedom 101 is a subtitle. And there's another title at the top. At the top it says, A Miracle That Changed the World, The 5,000-Year Leap. So I think if you you Google 5,000-Year Leap or The 5,000, the number 5,000, not right written out, but the actual numerics, buy this book. I don't care what age you are, whether you're my age, which is ancient, almost 100, or younger, uh, this thing will fill in some gaps about your understanding of America that will thrill you to your core. Just it will stoke you. And you will I've, – I've learned – in fact, I was talking to a candidate that called me today that's running for supervisor in Sutter County. And we were talking about people running for office, and I said – so I was quoting out of this book without having the book near me because I it was in me. I, I I just thought, oh, this is awesome. And I told him that I said that the uh, founding fathers, uh, that our founders did not believe that you were of sound mind if you didn't believe in God. 
And so they proved that one day. It came out one day where a guy was having to was being called to testify in a court trial. Uh, and the judge somehow realized the guy didn't believe in God, but believe he came from a monkey and uh, or something like that. And so he would not let him testify because he didn't believe he was of sound mind. So they fired the test testifier. But they also didn't believe that people could serve in office without compromising themselves uh, by getting paid. They really fought uh, to keep people from getting paid to serve. And it's fascinating how far we've slid from there because I remember John Nicoletti, who was a, he was on the supervisors in the Yuba County for, I don't know, 8 or 12 years, something like that. And uh, when he was arguing about why they, uh, they were uh, – they ju- they were justified to get a raise all the time as supervisors, and they'd just got a massive raise right before the the housing bubble popped back in two thousand six. I think their pay doubled. They they make about ninety grand over here in Yuba County when you add all the bells and whistles. And so John Nicoletti was saying that the only way you could really guarantee that you got really quality people to run for office was to pay them a lot of money. And I thought. <laughs> it's funny that none of these people today are could even hold the uh, the briefcase of a founding father intelligence wise or anyway, and none of those people asked for any money. In fact, I think it was James Madison that had to borrow money to get to the either the the Constitutional Convention or one of those main major conferences. So, uh, but this book, The 5,000-Year Leap Talks, it has all the principles of freedom. It lays it all out, and uh, it's written by a guy named W. Cleon, C-L-E-O-N, Skousen, S-K-O-U-S-E-N. This is, this should be on everybody's bookshelf. In fact, I'm going to buy me a bunch of these. I was looking for a deal on them, but uh, at my first glance, I just saw the regular list price on like Amazon or one of the places. You probably could get a used copy at one of the, the book places that, uh, you know, the various places online. This will, uh, you will be quoting from this book. I'm, I'll guarantee it. So please get it. If you want to teach American history to your kids, get them to read this book. They will be the uh, even if we were doing a full blast high school right now, any kid that reads this book would be the smartest kids with the smartest student in his school about the how this nation got founded, the philosophies that it was based on, why the Constitution was written the way it was written, how the Bible fits into that uh, and anecdotal stories leading into that. It's it's awesome. So thank God that I something motivated me to pull that off my shelf. I, you know, somebody once said it the uh, the important thing, the most valuable thing is not the books you've re- read, but the ones you haven't read yet. And I got a bunch of books stacked around here that I thought, oh, I'm going to read that book. Oh, I'm going to read that book. No, I'm going to get that book. And I got them, and then I just I, I just run out of time. I'm waiting for medical meth to be legalized so I'll have a little bit more zip and I can read faster and comprehend quicker. All right. So Dinesh D'Souza is coming 
to town, which I can't, I just can't even believe. I had to call the pastor at the Church of Glad Tidings and say, "Are you sure, dude? Are are you like are you like pushing me? Are you like playing with me, like Dinesh D'Souza? You mean he's going to be on video? We're going to watch a film." I said, "No, he's going to be here on behalf of Tamika Hamilton." Now, this costs money to come to. It's not just y'all come. And uh, it has nothing to do with glad tidings. We're just we're just giving our building to be used for this event because we want her to be elected and represented us in Washington, D.C. So uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about it, but we're at our first break and I want to take it on time because it's really late. I got a late start because I was dealing with lots of problems today. They were good things. People were having issues and they needed a hand. So we helped them. Uh, so let's take a break right now. You go get yourself a tuna sandwich and a cup of coffee. I'm going to get me something and I'm going to be, you listen to the little clips. These are clean. So just listen to them and enjoy yourself. Okay. We'll be right back. I count on me. Everybody's counting me out. I count on me. United States and for the international order that we have worked for generations to build. Ordinary men and women are too small-minded to govern their own affairs. That order and progress can only come when individuals surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. No, without them, I would never, not, you know, when I talk about them, I'm talking about without Biden and Obama, I wouldn't be president. I wouldn't have run. They were so bad. And people don't remember the hatred and division. There was tremendous division, probably a little more quiet, but it was tremendous hatred and division that we had for eight years. And, you know, people don't like to talk about that, but you remember it well. He was a terrible president. He was a very divisive person a very divisive president. We had the slowest recovery in the history of our country from from 1929, let's say, I guess they say from 1929, the Great Depression. This was the slowest recovery we've ever had under him. And then when I got in, it was a rocket ship we gained. And now, incredibly, the stock market is, I mean, NASDAQ is actually higher than it was at any time. And the rest of it looks like it's going to be higher. It's just almost the same. And who would have thought that's possible? This is while we're going through this problem caused by China. I wanted to come to you today because I am so frustrated at Beth Mittler's comments, insulting comments yesterday about our wonderful First Lady Melania Trump and her accent. Beth Mittler said, God, she still can't speak English. Well, you know, Beth Mittler, Melania Trump is a legal immigrant who came to the United States. She speaks five different languages. I'm a legal immigrant who came to the United States and I speak four different languages. How many languages do you speak? You make fun of the accents of all legal immigrants. Well, you know what? Practically all legal immigrants do have accents. And we are extremely offended at your condescending attitude and disrespect. People like Melania Trump, myself, and millions of legal immigrants who came to this country couldn't wait to come to America. It was our dream to make it to America. We worked hard to learn the language, to study the skills, to be able to pass the test that we had to 
take to become Americans? Someone handed me a flag when I was 14 years old, an American flag, that I put with me in my bomb shelter and I slept on it night after night, dreaming of one day coming to the United States. I learned English watching a black and white television operated on a car battery underground in a bomb shelter, writing subtitles on my arms, watching Dallas on the love boat, so I can learn English. So one day when I come to America, I can speak the language. You have no idea what legal immigrants go through to learn the language or how challenging it is to learn different languages. In Melania Trump's case and my case, we're fluent in multiple languages. You can't even come close. We come to this country because we want to make something out of ourselves. We want to live the American dream. We come to America because America is the most exceptional nation on the face of the planet. It's a land of opportunity. We come here to make our dreams come true. Because in America, everything is possible. And everybody who's born outside of the United States understands and values the opportunity America offers. It is so unfortunate that so many many Americans take it for granted and the radical left puts it down and not only put the American dream and American exceptionalism down but you put down and make fun of people like Melania Trump and myself and the millions of legal immigrants who came here who do speak with an accent well you know what we come to this country and we work hard we build businesses we employ americans we provide jobs we pay our taxes we donate to causes in our community we become outstanding citizens of our community and live and teach our children to give back to the community we not only live the american dream but we praise the american dream we value the american dream we preach the american dream we stand proudly wrapping ourselves with the flag vowing that we will give our lives for america because america gave us so much your comments just show how radical the left has become the hatred that you all have towards patriotic Americans who love this country. We come to America from all backgrounds, with all colors, different skin colors, different backgrounds, different cultures, different languages. We come here because we love America and want to become a part of America. And you do everything you can to tear America down. The only immigrants you like are the people who come here who agree with your point of view. Those of us who don't agree with you, you simply make fun of us, you discount us, you belittle us, you insult us. Well, guess what? That's exactly people like me love Donald Trump. That's exactly why legal immigrants like me will vote for President Donald Trump for four more years. Because President Donald Trump is someone who respects immigrants. President Donald Trump is someone who respects women with or without an accent. President Donald Trump welcomes all legal immigrants like me and Melania Trump who do it by the law, who follow the law, who do it the right way and come to America and, dev and devote ourselves to America and the American dream. President Donald Trump deserves the vote of every single legal immigrant who came to this country and who worked hard to become a part of the American fabric. And that's all I have to say. Heels to say, yeah, he heels to lay. Says you can do it too.
feedback, feedback on higher ground. All right. Here we go. Second second uh, phase here. Second out of uh, five or six. I guess it's six. All right. I want to talk a, a little bit more about uh, Dinesh D'Souza. So he's coming on September 19th. That's a Saturday. And um, so if y'all live in this uh, district of Garamendi's and you think, oh, man, you know, we got Garamendi. We really need somebody else. You're going to have to go to work. If you think, oh, well, I think I'll vote this time. That ain't going to do it, right? Uh, You need to go vote. You need to get somebody else to vote, and you need to give Tamika Hamilton some money. And so this event, which has, we're just giving our building free of charge, uh, costs, uh, it starts at 2. There's a VIP meeting, which is a discussion with with, uh, Dinesh D'Souza. And that lasts for about an hour or an hour and 15 minutes till 315. It probably lasts for about an hour and then 15 minutes to freshen up and then start the next meeting. So the main meeting starts at 315, $75 a piece. So you you can get tickets uh, ahead of time. And then at 2 o'clock, if you want to be in that VIP meeting, it's $500. You might think, oh, man, I can't, you know, that's unbelievable. I can't believe you would ever charge that. You know, uh, for one thing, it's Dinesh D'Souza. you got to pay a lot of money to probably get him out here, and he's probably his speaking fee, etc. All that doesn't really make any difference. Either if you don't want to do the VIP thing, just spend $75. She's worth it. Listen, uh, I, I've been spending some money, more money than I normally do this year, because I think if we miss this year, this election, uh, we can kiss it goodbye. Now, I, I'm not going to give up, but if we get Biden in there, or we get Trump in there and we lose both houses of Congress, the Senate and the House of Representatives, you're screwed. And and if we don't get Gavin Newsom out of here, we're in real trouble. Now, God has me here. Like I tell people, don't be moving all over the United States because it's a better deal in Missouri or Georgia or Texas or something, something. If you're a Christian person, and you actually know God, you're just not religious, and you're just not an anti, you're just not a not Muslim or a non-Sikh, but you're you're full-blown Holy Ghost Christian. You better listen to God, because God has a plan, and he may want you right in the thick of the funky stuff, where we need to throw down. And so that's where you're going to be blessed, I don't care whether you're in the middle of a communist country. Now, my friend, I say my friend, I mean, I met him and I've worked with him for years. Dennis Balcom, he fought in Vietnam War. Then he came back and God spoke to him when he was in Vietnam. And he said, I'm going to bring you back to Asia to be a missionary. He And then he came back to Oakland and uh, they sent him out from what they called Shiloh Temple back then. I think they call it some different name now, but they're right in the middle. They're on School Street in Oakland. They're right in the middle of Oakland. And uh, they sent him back to Hong Kong. And at that time, you could not enter communist China, not even for a visit, nothing. You might get in on a diplomatic thing uh, until President uh, Nixon went over there and opened up the way for uh, commerce and people to go in in and out of the country. That was in the 70s. So uh, Dennis Balcom went over there in Hong Kong waiting for the chance to get into uh, mainland China and to work with the underground church. Well, he started sneaking in, uh, crossing the border, uh, 
and doing underground work, and we began to work with them back in the day. Um, but when the when the uh, Hong Kong, which was owned by the British or managed by the British, they had a 99-year le- lease uh, in the settlement of the uh, what they called the Boxer Rebellion. So when that was coming up to end, they were going to hand over Hong Kong, which is the most capitalistic, amazing uh, city in the world. Uh, they were going to hand that over, I think it was 1997. And we actually had a team smuggling Bibles there at that time. It was either 96 or 97 or right. Maybe we were there right before it was going to happen. And it was very difficult to smuggle stuff back then. But many people, many missionaries, many church people, many business people fled Hong Kong before the handover to the communists because they thought what was going to happen right then uh, is happening right now. They thought what's happening right now, the takeover that's happening of Hong Kong right now that happened right now was going to happen back then in the 1990s. And it didn't. They they left him alone. And, and but Dennis Balcom stayed and I'm talking about hearing from God and staying where you're supposed to be. He wanted to be taken over by the communists because he wanted access to communist country and the underground church. I'm just making a point about that. So Dinesh D'Souza is going to be there. Listen, if you want to stand up at none of these candidates, uh, Kim Klasik uh, in Baltimore, there's a there's a uh, another gal, I think her last name is Young, her name is I can't remember whether Young Kim or Kim Young. She's Korean. She's down in Orange County. She's another one that needs some money. Um, a female, and then we have Tamika, and they all are sharp, sharp people. They're patriots, so we got to support them. It, and I was, I was telling somebody today: either you can give the money voluntarily now to help candidates get somewhere, or the, or the government's going to take it from you. You don't think that's true? You're not following the new bills right now that are coming through talking about wealth taxes and all that. They're they're just taking money. They're going to take as much money from you as they can without just putting a gun to your head. So you can give it voluntarily and maybe change the country. So Tamika Hamilton is that person. And Dinesh, let me tell you, Dinesh D'Souza is sharp enough. He's not just going to come out and speak for anybody. So I'm going to be there and... uh I know I just talked to Brandon Barnes, who's the sheriff of Sutter County. He's going. Talked to Wendell Anderson, the sheriff of Yuba County. He said he would have gone, but he's going to be in Colorado that day. So September 19th, that's a Saturday at 2 p.m. for the VIP or 3.15 for probably an hour to two hours of uh, him speaking. Uh, Okay. So, oh, wait, the way you can sign up, if you have Facebook, just go in, just put in Tamika Hamilton, T-A-M-I-K-A, T-A-M-I-K-A, common spelling Hamilton. And on her Facebook site, I just went there before I started the show, and I looked at the, um, you can just scroll down to where they do the advertisement, and then they have a, a, a web, a secure web link to buy your tickets. Very simple. Okay. Uh, you don't get them through the Church of Glad Tidings. All we do, we're just hosting the event at our facility. That's all we're doing, making sure it's happening, and she's getting it free of charge. We do that for people that we believe in. I want to read you this quote that I saw from uh, George Washington, 1788. 
He said, I want you to listen really closely to this. No country upon earth ever had it more in its power to attain these blessings than United America. He called it United American. Isn't it interesting? United America instead of United States. Then he says, wondrously strange then, and much to be regretted, indeed, would it be, were we to neglect the means and to depart from the road which providence has pointed us to so plainly. Now, when the founding fathers used the term providence, that's God. So they use it interchangeably. God, providence, the providence of God. It's just short, short talk for God, providence. I'm going to say it again. No country upon earth ever had it more in its power to attain these blessings than United America. Wondrously, wondrously strange then, and much to be regretted, indeed would it be, were we to neglect the means and to depart from the road which providence has pointed us to so plainly. The means and the road was the Bible, was God himself, God's word. And so he already, even in those early years, could see people straying and heading down and wanting to do different things than what the plan was. And that is this nation was founded upon God. The principles of the founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution were all founded upon the Scriptures. The basic laws of the land were Judeo-Christian ethic-based laws. And they just they just saw miracle after miracle from God. Now, this isn't a, a Christian or a church radio show. I'm just talking about the country we live in, if you're listening from this country. And if you don't like that, it's obviously just very easy to change channels. I'm just telling you, maybe you say, yeah, but I don't like it and I want it to be different today. That's fine. That's what this fight's all about. That's why they're rioting. That's why if they come to my street, I'm going to shoot them right off my front porch and just have a have a, a zip-up bag to put them in. I'm just going to bag them right there. My dad and I used to shoot deer, and we'd put them in a bag. They have a deer bag. And we'd, we'd skin them, gut them, hang them up in a tree, skin them, gut them, slip them in a bag, keep the flies off them. And then we'd throw them in the back of the truck, take them down, ice, put them in an uh, ice box until we could cut them up. My dad was a butcher. So if Black Lives Matter comes to lose house, somebody's going to get bagged. I, t- I was telling Dave Bryan, I said, I think I think my time is short here because I'm, I'm getting angry at these people. And I'm not going to put up with any of this baloney in our in my t- if they come in in my area, I'm not going to go looking for trouble. But if they come here, I have some trouble waiting for them. God bless you all. So uh, I saw this cute peanuts cartoon, and I don't know who writes this now. Charles Schultz is dead unless he rises up from the grave every once in a while and jots a few notes. So Lucy's they're both leaning against a tree, the opposite sides of a tree. And they're pondering life. And Lucy says, what's happened to this younger generation, Charlie Brown? And Charlie Brown, with just one piece of hair sticking out of his forehead, says, it's all it all started with a bicycle, with the bicycle helmets. And now it's everyone gets a trophy. Kids don't know what it's like to feel pain when they do something stupid. Stupid should hurt, he says. Now, I am a firm believer in Charlie Brown philosophy. 
because when you protect people from stupid hurting, they never do get unstupid. They just continue on down that road. So, uh, <clears throat> all right, I'll, I need to go back up here, and I want to mention before we get too far into this again, because I'm going to talk about it before we get get out of here. I want to talk about an article that Richard Ring wrote. Richard Ring is a very good writer. He just writes really long articles and very detailed. And most people, like <clears throat> most of my articles, I, I've had a tendency over about the last year to start writing longer articles, and I know that's bad news because people don't have the patience. So if it presses past 700 words, I think, ah, they're not going to hang. Uh, so Richard Ring writes big old articles and a lot of detail, which I'm interested in his detail because that guy's a researcher. But he wrote an article on about whether it's it's going to be possible to recall Gavin Newsom because it's very, very, very difficult to recall a governor. It's only happened two or three times in the entire history of the United States of America, or as George Washington said, in United America. So uh, I had one of my friends, Nellie, drop by today, and she dropped me by some petitions with some signatures on it. And I said, well, thank you, Jesus. Right there's Nellie's just doing her little job out there where she's working, and she's getting a few signatures for us. So uh, here's the deal. Uh, this governor, I'm going to talk about at the end here, if I play my cards right and get the time right here, Tay, we're going to talk about some of the crazy things that Gavin Newsom has done. Now, I, I knew he was liberal when we got him, but I had no idea that he would just ignore the entire Constitution. Man, the guy doesn't even pay attention to legislature. He, he doesn't think he needs to follow any rules but his own. He makes up his rules as he goes along. So we have a chance to recall him, but we're going to need a couple thousand, a couple million good signatures, right? There's 40 million people around here. So we're going to need a couple million to get his name on the ballot to ask the question, do you want to recall the dude or not? So you think, oh, well, I don't know what it'll do any good. Let me tell you how good it'll do. Here, here's the pop. In other words, whether you're one signature, I, I'm, I'm not asking you for one signature. I'm asking you for your signature. If you're a registered voter or get registered and vote or get registered and sign the petition, I'm asking you to take a petition and go get your neighbors and your friends and your relatives to sign up. That's the only way we're going to pull this off. We should be able to just knock this out. How bad does the guy got to get before you're going to recall him? So uh, if you don't have a if you don't have a form, you can pick him up at Glad Tidings. You can pick him up at Monty Hecker's Elite Universal Security out on Featherer Boulevard. That I'm going to give you the address here in a minute. I think it's 5548. I've said it so many times over the years. 5548 Feather River Boulevard, I think. Come on, Lou. 5548 Feather River Boulevard, Elite Universal Security. You can pick up petitions there, or you can just sign your name. You can get them at Glad Tidings during the week, Tuesday through Friday. If you want to come to the church meeting, you can catch a Saturday night or Sunday morning. You can sign up there. doesn't matter what county you're from, or you could get a petition. Or you can download the petition off Recall Gavin, G-A-V-I-N, 2020 the numbers 2020 not written out recall gavin 2020 let me get to the rest of the information here dot com okay you can you can print it off there 
If you don't have a printer, you got a little thing, you can see it, but you can't print it, just come on over to uh, Elite Universal Security. Or if you can, if you're on the website, Recall Gavin 2020, just look up the Facebook site for your county you live in. So right, I'm, I'm looking at the deal right here. And it, for, it has 58 or 60 or 70 websites. So there's 58 counties. So they got county websites, and then they have other websites on the recall thing. You can look up the county you're in, find out where they're having a signing session. Uh, you know, they put up these pop-up tents at uh, busy areas. Go over there and sign up. Listen, I think the other day we need a couple million, but we I think there's three. they have 300,000, 400,000 signatures right now. But – that's only because not not y'all are just sitting around thinking I'm going to do all the work for you, and I'm not. I got a bunch of signatures laying here on my desk. I know uh, Glad Tidings has done probably a few hundred, but that's a church, and and we're probably the only church in the entire city that are actually doing anything. The rest of them just like uh, drink coffee and talk about stuff. So uh, anyhow, that's that. I'll talk about Gavin later. Now, I saw this interesting uh, graphic. Your state-by-state guide for salons, you know, salons where people get looking beautiful. Women's, you know, they go in there and get their hair done, their nails done, get everything done. Get the full meal deal. Come out looking, just you think, who is she? I don't even know that woman. Uh, so anyway, uh, one time I took the, a bunch of people from Boise, Idaho. I took them to Vietnam, you know. And we were smuggling Bibles into China. And then we, when we'd fly into Vietnam, drop a load, come back to Hong Kong, do more Bibles into China, then load up again, fly back into Vietnam. So a bunch of them were ladies that were married. And um, and their husbands were taking care of the kids. And they were just giving them a mission strip. And they were having the time of their life. And so I said, well, hey, uh, before you go home, uh, you can get the full meal deal, you know, overhaul over here. So you can get your... You can get your uh, nails done. You can get the pedicure, manicure, nails, nails, nails. And you can get the hair done, and you can get new glasses. Very cheap. The whole package, very cheap. So they did. And uh, and they were looking totally different when we got on the plane to fly back to America. And I was happy for them. I thought, oh, their husbands are going to be all fired up when they walk down that Walk down out of immigration. So anyway, it says state-by-state state guide for salons reopening. I don't know whether this is a joke, but this is just shocking. So the so wherever the salons are open, it's green. And wherever the salons are closed, it's brown. Do I need to tell you that California is the only brown state that the salons aren't open? Now, I thought that Oregon, of course, this gal up there, this Christian gal, she stood up against Governor Brown, and she's suing Governor. That's that's a different Governor Brown, K. Brown, I think. I think Kate Brown or K. Brown up there. Anyway, she's she's in uh, Salem, Oregon, and, and she has a bunch of salons, and she has a gym, and she just took them on. And they came after her with the full force of government, man. They even threw CPS at her. Uh, so California says... These salons are not open here, but we got some salons because we got some friends of mine, uh, Mercedes uh, Brockman. She is uh, open down on D Street of Marysville. I see these people pop up on the Facebook in our area and say, hey, 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 I need to get my hair done. I need to get my nails done. Da, 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 da. So uh, listen, 
they're open all the, all the time. I don't know whether they're open seven days a week. They're open six days a week, and they got all kinds of women's in there because I went in there to do something. I had to drop some paperwork off or something, and that place was loaded. And it's between 6th and 7th Street on D, D. David, between 6th and 7th, and it's right in the middle of the block, and it's called Beyond Appearance. And uh, just tell Mercedes, uh, I said I gave him a shout-out, and so maybe she'll do you something special. All right, I'm going to take another break here and take a swig of tea, and then I'll be fine. I, I wish I knew you when I was young. candidate picks a vice president, there's usually a solid reason for landing on that person. Either they can carry a state on election day where they fill in a gap on the presidential nominee's resume, like in foreign policy, for example. So Biden's pick of Kamala Harris is proving to be quite weird, practically brain dead, in fact. First, she's from California, hardly a state that threatens to turn red, so no help there. And Kamala Harris has no real experience in anything significant other than screeching at and blasting and haranguing Brett Kavanaugh during his Supreme Court hearings. During her term in the U.S. Senate, she has sponsored no bills of import, but just signed on to the usual list of Marxist claptrap. While she was in California as attorney general before that, in a far more friendly Marxist environment, she was able to beat back pro-lifers and advance the cause of same-sex marriage. She's been picked by Biden because she's a woman and he was under intense pressure from Marxists to pick a black woman, which every single person on earth understands means African-American, not just someone who doesn't have white skin. You know, descendants of slaves, grown up in poverty, victims of white privilege, all of that. But Kamala checks none of those boxes, not a single one. For starters, her father admits in an online biography seen here that he is descended from Irishmen and his side of the family owned a plantation in Jamaica complete with slaves. Yep. Slaves. You heard right. Kamala is a descendant of slave owners. Likewise, she has absolutely zero biological ties to the African-American community. She is not descended from sharecroppers. Her ancestors were not kidnapped from Africa and chained in slave ship galleys and sold in markets. None of that applies to her. And that's just her father's side. Her mother's side is even less applicable to the whole question of racism aimed at blacks. Her mother's family is from Madras, India. Mom was a cancer researcher who met and married Kamala's father in Berkeley, California in the 1960s when they were working and studying together. A few years later, her parents divorced. Mom got a nice job at a Canadian university, and Kamala, with her younger sister, went to live with her mother, where she grew up in a racist-free environment in Montreal. Kamala has, in fact, had none of the usual experience of what everyone understands as the American black experience. She's Jamaican and Indian. At least Obama was half black. Kamala is no black, commonly understood. Likewise, to curry favor with the non-blacks when she was attorney general of California, she pursued a vigorous anti-crime policy which massively drove up incarceration rates of young black men. 
That's something her running mate, Joe Biden, also did when he was in the U.S. Senate, the same man who also verbally opposed desegregation in schooling. Kamala actually ripped him on stage at the party's primary debates for being a racist. You also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. You know, it's kind of curious, all this, a racist man who keeps insulting blacks with condescending comments and a fake African-American woman who is not of African descent, but Jamaican and Indian, who will now march off together on a blacks need to vote for us because we are woke campaign, which will prove to be one of the most hypocritical shams in the history of U.S. politics. Likewise, a whole host of other weird questions arise from this pick. Kamala said she believes Tara Reid, the woman on Biden's staff back in the day who ultimately accused him of sexual assault. Harris flat out said she believes Tara Reid. So on top of accusing Biden of being a segregationist, meaning a racist, she also believes her running mate is a rapist. Out of her own mouth, she has accused Biden of being a racist and a rapist. Don't forget those points. She's descended from slave owners and thinks her running mate is a rapist and a racist. You can't make this stuff up. Add on to the list that she herself is a public anti-Catholic bigot. In 2018, in the Senate confirmation hearings for Brian Butcher for a federal judgeship, Kamala went off on him for his membership in the Knights of Columbus specifically because the Catholic organization is opposed to abortion and same-sex marriage. In short, Kamala was applying a religious litmus test to a federal judgeship. Catholics had better beware of this monstrous ticket of fake Catholic Biden and anti-Catholic Kamala. But the Marxist media won't tell you all that. In fact, they don't know what truth and accuracy is. Anything, absolutely anything, any idea, policy, or proposal they don't like is automatically tagged as violent. At the same time, they portray actual violent attacks against innocent Americans, business owners, and police officers as mostly peaceful protests. It's all surreal, like we've stepped through Alice's looking glass. A spoiled, pampered girl profiting from a system built on their imagined white privilege in another country whose lineage includes actual bona fide slave owners manages to now be in the vice presidential slot for the United States. All this victimization, it's horrible, the poor dear. Neither the media nor Kamala herself can go near this third rail. She can, cannot admit her lineage lest the truth come out. And if she admits it and blames it on the past that she had nothing to personally do with, then the whole BLM argument blows up in their collective Marxist face. Remember when Elizabeth Warren had to out-and-out out lie about her Native American heritage to gain advancement? Well, how's Kamala's story any different? She lies when she calls herself African-American with everything that that imports in 21st century America. And if the campaign wants to try and hide behind the line that some Jamaicans came from Africa a zillion years ago, well, everyone in America can play that game. So everybody is both every ethnicity and no ethnicity. 
The Dems play the race card. They use identity politics to get elected. They even go so far as to nominate a descendant of slave owners. So every actual black woman in the Democratic Party should be asking right now, what's wrong with us, the actual descendants of slaves, as opposed to a descendant of slave owners? The Dems do have racism high on their list of issues, just not in the way they pretend. In that way, much of the U.S. hierarchy resembles the Democrats, harping on about fake issues of social justice and the environment in order to advance worldwide Marxism. All right, here we go again. Uh, so, barbershops and salons, barbershops and salons. So, uh, the other pe- the other person that stayed open is re- my friend Randy Mitchell. I've known him since he was a teenager. Now he's a big old boy, tatted all up to his chin, and uh, he he has a history. His his family has a history around Yuba County. And so law enforcement doesn't like old Randy. They don't think I told the sheriff the other day, sheriff, sheriff and under sheriff. I said, you know, well, you guys are a disadvantage. And I said, our church is full. And I'm, I'm not just saying something about our church. I, that's the only church I know. But I said, our church is full of people used to be in your jail. And I said, they're doing good. They're paying taxes. They're not stabbing anybody, beating anybody up, doing dope. And they're doing good. And it's because of the work we've done, you've allowed us to do in your jail. You've allowed us in the house to come and help. And uh, so I was encouraging that. Well, Randy Mitchell, he's he's a guy that came up the hard way, started out homeless. Now he owns four barber shops, and uh, he, he got it going on. But they wanted to uh, fine Randy for staying open, for supporting his three children and making money and supporting his uh, other barbers. And then they dropped the, they dropped the charge. Now, uh, because he told them, and he told it, this thing has yet to play out because he told the cosmetology board, which uh, kind of is the plantation owner of all these salons and and barbershops, and they run them, they they crack the whip on them. And he told the cosmetology people uh, in person on the phone. Not not he didn't leave a message. He talked to a person and he said, just take me off your list. I'm not paying you any more money. I don't want any licenses. I don't need a license from a barber shop or me as a barber. So just take me off your list. I'm going to be cutting hair. I'm going to be doing my barber thing. And uh, I ain't I ain't a part of your plantation. No more. So that was that. We'll see what happens on that. But the, the government is controlling us by all these contractors licenses uh, liquor licenses, they just license you to death, and they use that to control you. And that's what they're doing. They threatened the, a- the ABC, the alcohol beverage people, threatened people here that you can't, you know, you can't sell alcohol outside or you can't sell it inside. It's all these different rules. And, yeah, you can open your restaurant if the, if the county said, but you can't sell alcohol or we're going to come in and arrest you. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So Randy just jack-slapped cosmetology, and we'll move on from that. So the other day, I was telling last week how my friend Benjamin, uh, he went, because um, the pastor at Glad Tidings has been encouraging people, if you want a godly government, 
We need godly people sitting in those seats making decisions, whether it's the school board, whether it's the planning commission, the lowest commissions, the the utility commissions, Oliver's Public Utility Commission, any of the commissions, the levy commissions, everywhere we need Christians to join and get be a part and have their Christian influence on those boards. And so uh, Benjamin Garcia, uh, he works for Gallagher Heating and Air. He He's a very good guy. Uh, I know him personally. He used to help me at Juvenile Hall before COVID ran us, ran us out. He'd go and speak to the kids in Juvenile Hall. He's a very good guy. He's a, a law-abiding citizen, taxpayer. I don't know how many kids he's got. He and his wife, they have beautiful kids. And uh, so he took his teenage son, who's always riding on his hip, and he said, let's go to the city council meeting. Dave's been encouraging us to go. So they went over to the city council meeting. I told this a bit, a bit last week, but I want to give you a little bit more information this week. He went to the city council meeting, and he just walked in. There was no sign, COVID, you know, don't, you know, can't, no admittance beyond here. You're infected. you got to take a temperature. you got to get your nose, some swab shoved up your nose. Nothing. You just walk, he'd walked right in. There was no guards. There was nothing. It was a city council meeting. It was announced on the website on the Yuba City, no no notice. you got to do zoomy, 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 watch it over the t- the uh, monitor, nothing. So he just walked in there, and everybody kind of freaked out and said, oh, yeah, you can't do this, you can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. And he, he said, I don't understand. He said, I'm a taxpayer, and uh, I'm a citizen of the United States, and I thought, I thought government meetings were open. What's up with that? How come a government meeting wouldn't be open? I'm not afraid of COVID. I'm not going to wear a mask. Uh, COVID is a it's it's like the common cold, but I'm not going to wear a mask and do stupid stuff like sit six feet apart and stuff. So anyway, they said, well, you have to leave. So they, they ushered him out. He took his son home. He went home, decided, you know something, this is wrong. They jacked me around. So he went back. He said, this can't be right. And uh, there's no instruction to see it on Zoom. So he goes back. And then they approach him more sternly. He didn't stir up the meeting. He didn't disrupt the meeting, although the the mayor finally took a recess and talked to the security people and said, arrest that dude. So uh, they confronted him and they took him out and they arrested him. And they took him over. I don't know whether they went to Yuba City Police Department or Sutter County Sheriff's Department, whether they put him in a jail cell or not. But anyway, they cited him, talked to him, you know, wrote up all the paperwork, and then they released him, and he walked back to City Hall to get his car and drove home. The interesting thing is after, I guess, uh, I was kind of surprised. I didn't think a lot of people listened to this podcast, but and somebody that listened to the podcast, I guess, called one of the city council or a couple of city council people and talked to one of them was Dave Shaw. And uh, so he began to say that he thought that this uh, – uh, this guy, I don't even know, think he knew his name, Benjamin Garcia, uh, was a troublemaker. It was a setup. It was a shill to come in just like you send somebody into a, a committee meeting at the Congress to scream and shout and uh, call people dirty names. Benjamin just wanted to watch the meeting because he was encouraged to by his pastor. So anyway, they arrested him. The city council of Yuba City arrested a citizen for just sitting in the city council meeting. And then they're going to turn around and justify it by saying, oh, well, he might have COVID. You know, if here's the deal, you can't have it both ways, folks. You either have got to believe that this is going to kill you. You remember when they first said this is very contagious, very, very contagious, and it will kill you. Very deadly and very contagious. Scared the hell out of people, right? 
And um, so at that point, people are like putting up shields all over in front of their businesses. And, you know, they won't talk to you. You can't touch anybody. You got to stay six feet apart. All this stuff. Very contagious. You can if you touch a counter, it might have it might have COVID on it. Jump right up on your hand. And so but, you know, the city council doesn't even believe that these guys aren't the stupidest thing. They they're not the sharpest people in town, but they're not the stupidest. And so uh, some of them got masks on. Now, you would think, I mean, if I thought that a mask stopped, somebody said a mask is like thinking that a bumblebee in jail could could not get out of the jail cells. The jail, the bars in the jail cell, you'd be counting in the old part of the, in the old tank. They're about six inches apart. So the virus and bacteria both can go through those masks. But let's pretend they couldn't. And that mask was 100 percent foolproof. If you told me that there was something in the air that's going to kill me right away or cause me a lot of pain, I'd be slapping one of the masks on. Right. But this is B.S. More importantly, it's bullshit, right? Total. It's been a scam from the beginning. This this disease was actually manufactured. It was. It's not a natural thing that occurred out there and just sprung on us, right? Surprised us. It was manufactured by people in a lab. And so Fauci and Burks and George Soros and Bill Gates are all in on this thing to finally introduce a vaccine and control the whole world. There's a lot of other people, but I don't want to take all the time to get there. So, so you go in the city council meeting. Some of them got, some of them got masks. Some of them don't. Some of them are set, set in six feet apart. Some of them aren't. Uh, you got a couple people in there from the, the government, probably people are going to testify or something or give a presentation. They're sitting around. And and the, it comes out that the mayor, Sean Harris, who used to run, work for the CHP, he has, has actually got comfortable with not having the public around. I say, well, to hell with you. To hell with you. The, the government of the United States is the people's government. And it's a place for the people to reside. And if they want to stand up and go ape on you, and go and get really at I, I've been I've said in the Yuba County supervisor meeting when people out in Linda with old dirty pants on and smelly got up and just launched in the public talk time on the supervisors and they just listened to him and then he walked out of the room. We have a right to do that in the in the United States of America. If you don't believe that, get the hell off the city council. Just leave. We don't want you. We don't want what you have. We don't want city council people to to use their power to smash a family man, a heating and air guy, a young guy that's trying to get involved and and be supportive of the political system. He wasn't causing any problems. He was violating your petty pussy rules about covid that everybody knows anybody that's got a brain knows it's crap from the beginning they know dr lose a nutcase they know the, the gavin newsom's a nutcase the head health official just quit because she couldn't get along with newsom and all we got is baloney going on and in what so what they do is they they obey the baloney we got we got dave shaw who, who's on billboards advertising what a smart guy he is, wealth management, handing out masks to people 
that don't do any good, but they hurt their oxygen level. Now, either he isn't reading the news. I am not that smart. I'm a dropout. But I got this thing figured out because I not only can read the information on the mass, you just have to look at an N95 box and read the box. Or you can go talk to a doctor other than Dr. Lou. It's baloney. Handing out masks, that's, you know, <laughs> that's like handing out condoms with a hole in the end. That's stupid, man. That is stupid. I, I This is the craziest thing. Wearing a mask doesn't do you jack. And, and you think, oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about. I, honestly, you can go. This is you don't even have to know anybody sharp. You can go on YouTube. Just look up Stephen Gundry, G-U-N-D-R-Y, Stephen Gundry. He's a white-haired guy. He's done over 10,000 surgeries and uh, heart surgeries. And now he's trying to keep people from having to need a surgery through food, eating right. Gundry's being questioned about masks. Let's talk about masks. He said, you know, we wear them when we do surgeries. But he says, they don't do what you think they do. Because just what I say, bacteria and, and, and uh, viruses can go right through them. He said, we scrub up, we wear caps, we wear gowns, all that kind of stuff. We're trying to keep something falling off us and falling into your guts that we got opened up right there. So he says, this is so hilarious. He said, we don't want to spit into your guts, right? Spit. It doesn't say anything about virus, right? So he says, actually, though the medical community is very slow to change. They did a double-blind study on masks, the surgical masks, on whether they really uh, cut down on infection from stuff dropping into the wound, Right? And they found that it was better when surgeons didn't wear any masks. They just scrubbed their face and came in. Because, you know, when you're doing surgery, they're talking all the time. Do this, do that. Let's do this. Adjust that. Hand me this. Do that. Sew them up, dude. Right? So they're talking all the time. And so he says when, when you have a mask on your face and you're talking, it's rubbing on your skin. And if you could see that well... It's actually causing little flakes, tiny little flakes of your skin to fall into the guy's guts. <laughs> this is so hilarious. We, we are learning more about medicine than we ever wanted to learn. And he said, it's actually worse for surgeons to wear a mask. It's worse for the patient than to not wear one. And all these people are, it's, I, I walk into stores all the time. You got to wear the health officer said you got to wear a damn mask. I said, screw the health officer. I I hope she drops dead. She's nuts. And and these supervisors and city council follow her like she's a Pied Piper. Instead of standing you know something, we didn't vote I didn't vote for my city council person or I didn't vote for my supervisor to to be led around by the health officer. For goodness sakes, they hire the health officer to work for them. She advises them, and they say, it's just like if I've ever had an employee in businesses I've run, I take their input. If I don't think it's the right input for the right situation, I pass. Thank you very much. I'm going to do it this way. 
If I was supervisor, I would vote right now. I'd take a vote and see if we have three votes to just say, we're opening our counties. All businesses go open. If you have a problem with the governor with an ABC license, we don't have any control over that. But we're going to open up. We're going to open up. We can't open up the schools because we're not in charge of the schools, right? They're communists now. But we're going to just open up. That's what I would do. I would set Dr. Lewis aside. If she had a bean up her nose, I'd just give her her pink slip and tell her to move back to Elk Grove. That's what I would do. And I, I would. we don't even need her. We don't need her. What are they doing? Just counting up how many people had. Why don't we count up how many people had syphilis since January or chlamydia or gonorrhea or tuberculosis or the regular flu? Why don't we promote that? Let's find out how many people killed themselves, how many people overdosed, right? It's way more than the COVID deaths. Way, 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 way more. But they don't want to talk about that because this is all a big, funky scam. And so now we got the mayor flexing his old muscle, old tough guy over there. Yeah, flexing his muscle. Oh, let's go arrest this guy and kick his ass, right? Send him down there and show him who's boss. I'll tell you, you know, the government was never to be our boss. You get that? The government of the United States was never the boss. We were the boss. That's how this started out. Now you look what happened. Oh, you can't come in here. Why? Well, it's a, uh, <laughs> why don't you have a sign outside? Why don't you have chains across the door? Why don't you have guards in front of the door as opposed to inside? If this is really dangerous, right? It, I mean, I've gone into the hospital before where there's got, I don't know whether it was Ebola or MERS or some kind of funky deal. And I'm team. You knew it by walking in. They had yellow curtains up. They had people all triple up, triple gown, triple gloved, masks all over the place. They had it all, you know, they were taking care of business. Not city council meeting. You wouldn't know Jack Diddley was going on until you walked in there. Hey, if you're going to really get serious about this, Yuba City Council, get your trip together. Get out there and blockade everything. Put up the yellow blockades. Hey, this is dangerous in here. We don't want to infect the city council because, by God, if if one of them died, what would we do? Actually, we wouldn't do much. We'd just get somebody else to stick in there. Easily replaceable. They're not that bright. They're They're not one of them that's not replaceable, right? That's what I've learned about my life. I am totally replaceable. And so when people think, oh, my God, if I was... If I dropped dead of a heart attack, what would they do? We wouldn't do nothing. We'd just, we'd just give you a good burial and pick somebody else and go on right from there, and we wouldn't even miss a beat. How about that? But they, what happens is these people get drink to Kool-Aid. They get in that city council meeting. They get the board of super, and they think they're smarter and better looking. Oh, yeah, the people say, oh, hi, city councilman. Hi, supervisor. Oh, mayor. Hey, hey, there's a mayor. People, you're so full of crap. So full of crap. Our founding fathers would mock you. Our founding fathers would mock you. Everything about you, you're so full of yourself. Egotistical. Oh, well, did you get my check ready? Did you? Oh, well, can you deduct more out of my money I'm supposed to get? Can you can you take care of my travel expenses for me? So embarrassing. So completely embarrassing. I want to read you this, see if I can get it in before this next break. This next break is where this guy drops the F-bomb, so if you want to go family, just skip this part. This is called the fence test. I came across it recently. Again, I've read it before. Which side of the fence are you on? If you've ever wondered which side of the fence you sit on, this is a great test. If a Republican doesn't like guns, he doesn't buy one. If a Democrat doesn't like guns, he wants all guns outlawed.
If a Republican is a vegetarian, he doesn't eat meat. If a Democrat is a vegetarian, he wants all meat products banned for everyone, you damn meat Nazis. If a Republican is homosexual, he lead, quietly leads his life the way he wants. If a Democrat is homosexual, he demands legislated respect. If a Republican is down and out, he thinks about how to better his situation. If a Democrat is down and out, he wonders who is going to take care of me. If a Republican doesn't like a talk show host, he switches channels. If a Democrat doesn't like the host, he demands that those they don't like be shut down. If a Republican is a non-believer, he doesn't go to church. If a Democrat non-believer... He wants any mention of God and religion silenced like they did in the schools in 1960s. If a dis- dis- Republican decides he needs health care, he goes about shopping for it or may choose a job that provides it. If a Democrat decides he wants health care, he demands that the rest of us pay for it. If a Republican is unhappy with an election, he grumbles and he goes to work the next day. If a Democrat is unhappy with an election, he burns down Starbucks, throws rocks at cops, and takes two weeks off for therapy. All right, third break. We'll be right back. Hennon was an innocent little boy with a full life ahead of him until some piece of garbage walked up to him, put a gun in the back of his head and shot him. What kind of psychopath would do that to someone, let alone an innocent child? And for what? Just because you felt like it? Or was it for Black Lives Matter to get revenge for all the slights that y'all feel like you've had? Well, I just have one thing to say to you. You. Fuck Black Lives Matter. Fuck your liberal ways of looking at life. And fuck Darius Sessions. If you have to put a color in front of Lives Matter, you're racist. Period. Prison is getting out of this way too easy for this thug. They need a new kind of punishment for people like this. All I have to say for you Black Lives Matter people still out there protesting, not caring about this poor little boy thinking that you're still being treated unfairly and that cops don't like us and all this. Fuck your bullshit. Yeah, maybe at one point you were unfairly treated by a cop. I've had it done to me, but at least he didn't put a gun in the back of our head and blow it off. But that's what this guy did to this little six-year-old boy or five-year-old. Don't even try to compare it to George Floyd or any of the other thugs who got killed because that was their own doing. This is a boy, an innocent kid outside playing on a bike. You got some thug who comes up there and says, oh yeah, I'll just, yeah, he'll work. Oh man. And what is Black Lives Matter doing about this? Nothing, nothing. And then you have some other thug who's on Facebook praising the execution of Cannon. Are you fucking kidding me? And what is Black Lives Matter doing about that guy sitting there and praising the dude who shot Cannon saying, yeah, it's time for revenge. So let me let me just put this very simply for all y'all. Leave children out of it. If you got a problem with me or any of the other 
proud Americans, come up and say it to our face. But you won't do it. Because I'll show you, I will show you what America's about. So let me draw a line in the proverbial sand here. Because I am tired of seeing y'all destroy America and now kill innocent children. To those who support Black Lives Matter or even say it, you're nothing to me. I don't look at you as an American. And I don't care what color you are. I have some really good black buddies that I'd die for. But they sure aren't bitching and complaining about all the stuff Black Lives Matter doing and taking on a victim mindset. No, they're strong fuckers. Black Lives Matter are terrorists and they're ignorant thugs. There is no other way to say it. You sit and try to destroy America, sit all day and whine about issues that are mostly made up and then do nothing. And then one of the people that you're saying his life matters shot some kid. So the next time you show up at a Black Lives Matter rally because a cop arrested you for blocking a freeway and you feel like you need to just go out there and whine about it, think about if it was your kid who got shot. You wanted to see a pissed off American patriot? Well, you got one right here and 90% of America is behind me. Isn't it funny how the very politicians and so-called leaders who are imposing these economy and livelihood crushing lockdowns, shutdowns and infringements don't care to share in the struggle themselves? Yeah, greasy Governor Gavin Newsom, I'm talking to you, buddy, and it's time for final thoughts. Back in May, Nancy Pelosi's favorite nephew and the governor of the Republic of California asked state workers to take a 10% pay cut to help pay for his never-ending coronavirus lockdown. But he seems so heartbroken to do so, too. But rest assured, he was ready and willing to take that same 10% pay cut in solidarity with state workers and employees. Nothing breaks my heart more than making budget cuts. There's a human being behind every single number. I know this is the last thing uh, that uh, our partners uh, uh, want to hear, uh, but unfortunately we're in a position where it's required of all of us, and by the way, including me and including my entire staff. Really? You sure about that, Governor? Because according to reporting from the SACB, those state workers had their salaries slashed starting last month. It would appear Greasy Gavin is still collecting his full paycheck to the tune of $17,479 per month. Isn't that something? But there must be an explanation, right? Because there's no way he would go back on his word, be so greedy, so slimy, so greasy. Well, according to his fall man, I mean his spokesperson, Greasy Gavin getting that whole chunk of unslashed, uncut, un touch paycheck was just an oversight. Isn't it funny how every crooked thing that happens in California or under any Democrat for that matter is just an oversight? Like when non-citizens voted in the California midterms due to an oversight with the fraud-ridden and unreliable vote-by-mail program? Yeah, oversight. Or how illegal immigrants who are unable to vote are accidentally put on the voter rolls by an oversight in the motor voter program? Or how criminal aliens are allowed to roam the streets of the Golden Sanctuary State? That oversight list goes on and on and on. But the buck never seems to stop with anyone, certainly not Governor Gavin. But the fact that in a time when his state has unemployment rates over 13 percent and a bottomed out economy that has once again been shut down by his own hand, that slimy snake would continue to collect his full paycheck courtesy of California taxpayers is truly sick and twisted. And let's not forget, 
Greasy Gavin also has the audacity to ask for billions in federal bailouts and blames President Trump for it all. But it gets better. Keep in mind that California, by declaration of Governor Newsom, has also created a fund for illegal immigrants paid for by the taxpayers to the tune of over 75 million bucks. This is not leadership, it's madness. And to the people of California, I will say this again. Are you listening? Your state does not have to be this way. You have the fifth largest economy in the world and you're voting and reelecting people, Democrats, who are flattening your beloved state near the point of no return. So you have two choices. Stop voting for Democrats or get the hell out while you can because it's only gonna get worse. And Governor Newsom, I don't know how you can sleep at night. You're truly a disgrace to California, to the country, to yourself. So enjoy your fat salary while your constituents continue to suffer and struggle. Karma will find you, and I hope it finds you by way of a recall or a vote out. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care. This just burned me. This this thing, there's not one aspect of the pandemic called COVID virus, the Wuhan flu, the Kung flu, that has been accurate. Everything has been a total lie, including the guy from Great Britain that claimed it was going to kill 2.2 million Americans and told how we need to have socialist distancing and quarantine healthy people and wear masks. And you know what that guy did? He started, he, all along, he was screwing his friend's wife. Did you know that? Yeah, he's a scientist over there in, in England at Imperial College. And he was, uh, he was having an affair with his friend's wife. And so he was breaking all those rules that was going to kill him because that sex was so awesome. So she was coming over there and he was banging her. Uh, telling us how we couldn't mix it up was other than our family members. So the CDC, remember when they said, you know, have you, have you, I felt so sorry for all these young people working in these restaurants and places and just running around with these spray bottles, spray, 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 wipe, 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 wipe. I, you know, people get up. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's COVID scurrying. They're going to fall off the table. Scrape, scrape, scrub, scrub, shine, 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 rub, 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 rub. Oh my God. They can't breathe. Remember that? It was just so contagious. And now the CDC changed on their site. You can go on their site and read all this. These people actually print it for you, but Americans are so stupid that they can't even go read. And they'll they'll listen to this Dr. Lou here blow right through everything and just say, you guys are getting a D. If people would behave themselves... We would we would be able to open everything up. I say open everything up. All we had, we aren't even having like three hundred people get sick out of a hundred thousand. That's nothing. Nothing. You kidding me? It's just a. They just fabricated that rule down in Sacramento, and Doctor Lou's got to follow it to the rule. She's a little Nazi, is what she is. 
So the CDC continually changes its view. Like, remember, it said, oh, it's going to be in, you know, on, on wood, it'll last this long. On stainless steel, it'll last this long. On plastic, it'll last this long. On cardboard. Remember, people were spraying their Amazon boxes. Are you kidding me? Americans have lost their friggin' minds. The CDC changed its site last Monday. Here's what it says now. If you've been in close contact within six feet of a person with a COVID-19 infection for at least, and you've been there at least 15 minutes, but, but don't have any symptoms. Did you get it? You've been around them, but you don't have any symptoms. Or they don't have any symptoms. In other words, they've been tested positive, but they don't have any symptoms. You don't necessarily need a test. People think, I've had people say, hey, where can I get a test? I said, what do you want a test for? What do you want? A little badge on your shirt that says, I went and got a COVID test. It's like, if you get a bad cold, do you run over to the health department and say, I have a cold. What, what should I do? If you don't have symptoms, you do not necessarily even need a test unless you are a vulnerable individual, like you, you got one lung, you got half a heart, or your health care provider, state, or local public health officials recommend you take one. Why do we have to go to public health officials for the common cold? We can't even get people to go over there when they got syphilis. They just keep screwing people and passing it along. Unbelievable. In fact, we got prostitutes in this community that can't that put the put the dog on uh, condom on backwards, then they realize they got it on backwards, upside down, the wrong side. Then they flip it over, contaminated the condom. They and so we asked them because the gal did it right in our our class. We said, "Put how would you put the condom on?" Anyway, what if you put it on backwards? She said, "We'll just flip it over." Unbelievable. You know, people, it's a wonder people actually can get up in the morning and don't choke themselves brushing their teeth. Those who don't have COVID-19 symptoms and haven't been in, you don't have any symptoms, right? You know, these people got us so freaked out at the beginning that even though you felt wonderful, you're even 150 and you felt like a 15-year-old, you might have it. I think you have COVID. Why, Why don't feel, I feel good. Oh, you might have it. Did you go to Walmart? Did you did you go did you go to school? Did you go to church? Oh, they got it at church, man. There's COVID all over those churches. Not at Walmart though. People they got all sort of crack stuff coming out of the crack of their butt. They can't even get their pants up over their big rear end. Look like a meteor attached onto their backside. And it's all clean over there at Walmart, Home Depot, and Lowe's. It says, those who do not have COVID-19 symptoms and haven't been in close contact with someone with a known infection did not need a test. People have lost their minds. And so now, you know, Gavin Newsom will not be happy until he has tested every human being in California. But he ain't going to be able to test old Lou nor vaccinate him. Because he, they come here, I'm going to just shoot them right on the porch, and they can just pick up all their stuff and bring me over to the sheriff's department. All right, I want to talk about a lady that I saw her picture, and I thought, Jesus help us. Anyway, her name is Danielle Green, and I'm telling you, when I see people like this and read about them, uh, it chokes me up, and it makes me... It centers my, it centers my knower. 
So there's a picture of this beautiful woman whose upper arm has about half of it carved out. It's gone. Just a big old funky scar. And right at the elbow, there is an attachment where she has a fake or a prosthesis, a fake lower arm on the left, left arm. So she looks like a, a tall woman, very, you know, in shape, uh, athlete type when you look at her. But this one arm is just like she's got a uh, sleeveless dress on and one arm is just has a gnarly like like you took an ice cream scoop and just took a big draw all the way down the upper arm bicep. Let me read this to you because this will encourage you with all the stupid stuff going on and city council people, little pissy people. Former Notre Dame basketball player and Army veteran Danielle Green lost her left arm during a rocket-propelled grenade attack in Iraq. After medically retiring from the Army in 2004, she went back to school and is currently serving as a Veterans Affairs Counselor. Green, having recently shared... Um, she got an award at the ESPY Awards. I won't even mention the other people that were there. They're embarrassing. They're athletes, and they're just a they're they're uh, they're not patriots. Anyway, she got an award at the ESPY Awards, uh, and she got the Tillman Award for her exemplary willingness to serve. Remember Tillman? Pat Tillman was the I think he was started with the Washington Redskins and. 9-11 happened. He went to join the Army Rangers, I think it was, and then he was killed right away. Anyway, the Tillman Award honors an individual with a strong connection in sports to sports who has served others in a way that echoes the legacy of Pat Tillman, the ex-NFL star killed in Afghanistan in 2004. So uh, anyway, uh, here's I'm going to read some things that she said after receiving this award. And this will encourage you and help you get centered on what a real American's like. Number one, your present circumstances don't determine where you can go. They merely determine where you're going to start from. As the Military Times reported, Green said she never wanted her past success or her injuries to define her future. Maybe 11 years ago, 10 years ago, it was all challenging, she said, of her injuries. I had to try and figure out how to redo everything I, I had done left-handed. But you have to learn to adapt, learn to adjust to your environment. You have to keep working, said Green. Number two, help others achieve their dreams and you will achieve yours. Officials from the Pat Tillman Foundation at, and ESPN said Green stood out as an exceptional candidate for the award because of her selfless service, strength in face of, in the, of adversity, and continued commitment to her country. Number three, no one is coming to save you. Be your own hero and take responsibility for the outcome of your life. Let me just say that again. This is this is so powerful. No one is coming to save you. Be your own hero and take responsibility for the outcome of your life. She says, there is no self-pity. There is no regret because once you go down that road, you get stuck. And then I won't be any service to the people who come in looking for help. That is my mission now. So I refuse to accept a role as a victim. I am victorious. I can't be stuck in the past, said Green, when asked if she had any regrets about joining the Army after her injury. 
When I got hurt, I got angry because I was not ready to die. And I remember saying a prayer. I wanted to tell my story. I want to leave a legacy behind. I have a a nine-month-old at home. I want my son to be able to look up to his mom and say, there is an extraordinary woman. I hope I can inspire others. Number four, people can't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Let me say that again. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Currently, I'm the team leader at the Veterans Center located in South Bend, Indiana. Our job is to welcome veterans home and help them with whatever challenges they're facing. Sometimes that's post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, problems with substance abuse, said Green when asked if being a wounded veteran was an asset or a challenge on her job. I think my injury is more of an asset than a challenge here because I can connect with them I think it gives them an opportunity to say she gets it. She's been there with the Vietnam veterans that walk in the door. They'll look at the at me funny because a lot of them didn't serve with any women. When I get to my introduction, I put out there that I was an MP. I got hit by an RPG and I lost my arm. You can see them start to open up. Green's journey is a true statement. This says to what can happen when you decide that you are, you are your only limit. Pretty powerful stuff. I love that. She's a beautiful person, and her name is Danielle Green. And there's a, there's a uh, periodical called the Military Times that I think she has a full interview there. And I bet there's probably a video on YouTube that you could catch and tells her story there as well. So, um let me see where I am here. Um, I think we're doing okay. Let me look up the top and make sure I want to cover a few things that, uh, oh, let's see. Oh, oh, let's do this. So I had a friend of mine who uh, works for the public school system in Yuba County, Marysville Unified School District. And, uh, he was asking me the other day because they were really trying to open up their school. So they were trying to convince Dr. Lou to let them open up their school. And they were trying to convince her that we would check. They had temperature check everybody and do this, do that to to make sure they didn't miss anybody, you know, wear b- colored b- bracelets for the day. And, you know, in other words, just say, hey, we're, f- we're following all the system. We don't believe whether we believe in it or not, what we're doing it, you know, even though the kids are not hardly susceptible to COVID. Uh, the the uh, the forces behind our government are shutting down our school system, and it's causing parents big trouble. So this is a bulletin put out by Dr. Lou. This is so ridiculous. Supervisors, city council, this is so ridiculous. This is all she is. We don't need her. $300,000, keep the money. All we have to do is pay attention or ignore the state health department because that's where all this is coming from. So this is a publication, this is a document sent out to Yuba County and Sutter County Schools, August 24th, 2020. It says, uh, I'm not going to read it all, I'm just going to touch on a couple of things. It's, shut, it's essentially shutting down all schools completely until, uh, actually, because we have greater than 300 new cases per 100,000 over a 14-day period, right? So, therefore, in bold black letters, no student, no students may be permitted on school campuses with the exceptions as specified before. 
below. Now, now I want you to just think through this. You can't find any news or any research that said children are highly susceptible to COVID all jammed up 500 on a campus. You cannot find any research. In fact, schools in Europe, like in Sweden, I believe Norway, never closed down. She goes on to talk about counseling. They can do some counseling, six feet, masks, da-da-da-da-da, make sure the person's been tested. Extracurricular activity. Listen to this. No in-person activities permitted. This includes, but is not limited to clubs, athletic teams, academic performances, performing arts, academic teams, performing arts, music. This is, listen, people, this is evil. That is evil. When kids, when young people are not susceptible to the COVID like adults are, this is just pure evil. Gatherings and events, schools may not sponsor, endorse, or otherwise encourage student participation in in-person gatherings or events. This includes, but it's not limited to, you can't go on a field trip, can't do a rally, no dance, no senior sunrise, uh, no senior breakfast, grad nights, graduations. If school administrators or staff become aware of plans for student gatherings, they should actively discourage them. Oh, screw you. That's ridiculous. Internships. Student in-person internships are not allowed at this time. That is so a bunch of crap. Prayer and worship. This is amazing. Private schools wishing to conduct in-person prayer services may do so in compliance with California Department of Public Health guidance for worship services. And you might wonder, well, what are those? Here they are. Services may be conducted. Well, thank you, Jesus. Here we go. Services may be conducted outdoors only. Because COVID gets confused when you're outdoors. When you get indoors, it really can dial in and they can dive bomb you. Services may be conducted outdoors only and are limited to 100 or fewer people. That's it. You can only have a small church. Physical distancing of six feet or greater between all attendees must be maintained. You know, I won't even mention the church because people think I'm down on certain churches. I really don't give a rip. Uh, somebody the other day left left Glad Tidings and said, well, there's a lot of people in the community that don't like Glad Tidings. I said, who gives a damn? I, I You know, when I got converted, uh, we were all drug dealers. And we were living communally. I never even thought if there was, I didn't even know about church. I never attended church in my life. And I wasn't living communally. And they were writing nasty articles about us. So we weren't even doing anything wrong. And no church in the community ever came to aid us. They, no one helped us. No one encouraged us. No one gave us a, a sandwich, a, a stale sandwich. You, you know, we we're all living on our own. We didn't ask for any government help. And uh, we we're taking in people off the streets, right? We did drug rehab before drug rehab was cool. And, uh, and so uh, I never even th- I never even worried or concerned about what other churches were doing or whether they liked us or disliked us. This guy, I guess, is all concerned about that. I thought I have never had that thought in my life. Did, does another do church people, other church people that go elsewhere like us? Well, anyway, I heard this. These, some of these churches have been meeting outside next to their building. Like there's the building. And uh, it's hot outside. But we can't go in the building where there's air conditioning and carpet and bathrooms and all stuff because COVID's going to 
body slam us. So I guess a, a Sunday while back or whatever, there was a little rain burst during this one church's service. And I heard that, it, you know, it, to me, I'm not that sharp as a Christian, right? I, sometimes I think I know what God wants me to do. And other times I, you know, I think I just got a good idea. Anyway, if I was outside and uh, wasting 20,000 square feet of church space inside and sitting and sitting outside, bugs landing on me and cars going by honking and screwy stuff and a rainstorm busted out and just rained right on top of us. And everybody ran inside the building to escape the rainstorm. I might look at that as God's sign to like, why don't you guys pay attention and that you bought that with my money. You bought that building. And why are you standing out here in the parking lot? <laughs> I got a kick out of it. I it, I wouldn't get mad at that church. I just got a kick out. of like, how many signs do you need? Like, why don't you go use the building and tell, tell the county health official to take a flying leap? So it says, physical distancing six feet or greater between all attendees must be made and face coverings must be worn. Yeah, you got to just sing. <laughs> just like, oh, Gavin even says you can't sing in church. You just got to like, I guess, breathe and look at the pastor as he talks and maybe play it, play a background music. Play some elevator. You know, the church people, it's amazing to me. I I wasn't raised in church. But uh, I've done it about like 50 years now because I'm an old guy. And I started when I was young. I got uh, God. God uh, scooped me up when I was in my early 20s. But I get a kick out of people. Uh, the way they think is just unbelievable, stupid, unbelievably stupid. Uh, and it, it reminds me of true sheep. Sheep will just walk over the edge of the cliff. Say, feels good to me. Hallelujah to you. We're going to go over together. We want to hold hold hooves. Okay. All right, I'm going to take another break, and we've got two more segments. Okay, hang in there. Wake up, Maggie, I think i got something to say to you. It's late September, and I really should be back at school. I know I keep you amused. Stop saying that America is on stolen land. Like, can we just talk for a quick second, please? I'm so tired, and I'm Native American, I'm so tired of hearing people say, America's on stolen land, we don't even belong in America, and all this other crap just because they want to talk bad things about America. Look, my family lost a lot of our family history because of everything that happened, not gonna lie. But to say that Native Americans were peaceful, and that we were all just vibing together, no, we were not, we were not. We were literally killing each other and conquering each other. Everywhere in society, you see people conquering people and conquering other people and conquering other people. America's not the only place that did that. Now, I'm not justifying it, but I'm saying that we need to move forward and we need to learn like the rest of the world did, okay? So stop, stop, stop. And if you don't like it here, you can leave. No one's stopping you. It's Wally Antifa and the BLM that showed up to the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally yesterday here in South Dakota. How stupid are you? <laughs> How stupid are you? How was Hell's Angels? How was it?
In his classic book, Democracy in America, Alexis de Tocqueville of France observed, There is no country in the whole world in which the Christian religion retains a greater influence over the souls of men than in America, and there can be no greater proof of its utility and of its conformity to human nature than that its influence is most powerfully felt over the most enlightened and free nation of the earth. There is no argument to the unequivocal truth that our Creator God is the source of all liberty and that American liberty exists due to His benevolent intervention. In his first inaugural address, George Washington repeatedly talked about God's blessings upon America, saying, No people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than the people of these United States. Since Washington first added, so help me God, to his inaugural oath, every president since has likewise also acknowledged God's assistance at his inauguration. Since his first meeting in 1774, Congress has opened its sessions with prayer. And since at least the 1820s, the U.S. Supreme Court has opened its court sessions with the prayer of, God save the United States and this honorable court. Since God graciously opened my eyes to his architecture in my country, I have joined our founders and have been guided by my allegiance to the American view of law and government, which is also the biblical view of law and government. That view begins with the acknowledgement of and the submission to the creator, God of the universe. And subject to his law, we form governments for the purpose of protecting the rights that he has granted and protecting the ability to perform the obligations he requires. The Constitution of the United States and the constitutions of the various states set forth what is essentially the compact or contract that defines and limits the powers granted by the people to elected and appointed officials, along with civil servants to serve the ends and perform the terms of that contract. I've always considered it a blessing to be born and live in a country founded on biblical principles, and I've made it my life's work to study and share what I learn. One of the many things I've learned is that there are some people who do not share this view. In fact, there are some who detest it. They include not only looters and rioters and brick-throwing thugs, but also mayors and governors and county executives who make excuses for this lawlessness rather than arresting and prosecuting these criminals. I also observe that these enemies of America are united in their hatred for Donald Trump. Our Creator's Holy Writ urges that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I make it a point to weekly pray for my president, along with Congress, the Supreme Court, and all subsequent governing bodies on my state and local levels. I know of no better way to assist our president and work for the healing of our land. I'm hoping you'll do the same. This is Jake McCauley with the Institute on the Constitution, bringing you The American View. Here, I'm going to mention uh, some of the guys that helped me stay uh, in in the loop here, and that is uh, Elite Universal Security. And uh, Monty is always standing up for the right thing. He's an Air Force veteran, and he started this business when he got out of the Air Force. And uh, he does does a great job with Elite Universal Security. 
his he's got guys in my neighborhood over here because I'm right on the edge of the commercial district, so I see his guys and gals working over here. So he's got jobs. If you want to go to work, he'll make a security officer of you. They, you know, you see these security officers all over town. You see them at the courthouse and the, in the government buildings and at the hospital. And there's there's a lot of good jobs there. And a lot of them lead into pure just full-blown law enforcement. People say, I kind of like this security thing. I think I'll, I'll be a CHP officer or a sheriff's deputy or something. So um, – Check Monty out. Uh, you can you can go on his websites. He's got a couple websites that are good websites that that uh, they actually have some schooling on the websites that you can tap into. API-academy.com. API-academy.com kind of dials in the schooling into things. And then Elite Universal Security dials in the jobs. And he's got jobs. If you're listening to me from farther up up north towards Oregon, or even down south below Sacramento, they're working in those areas, and they could use some people. And and you don't have to pack a gun if you want to do the non-gun guard thing. You're good if you want to if you want to pack a gun, learn how to do that. You can do that too. And um, you know, people that need some security, if your business is being broken into or tagged or messed with, or you know, people trying to camp in there or farming, there's so much, uh, so many uh, thefts of farm equipment right now. Uh, all, and we're in a farming area. If you're not familiar with Northern California, where we're sitting, I'm sitting here in Marysville tonight. Uh, big farming area, lots of money in farm equipment, lots of money in farm pumps, and and people tweakers steal the the uh, the wiring off it and recycle it. Just you know, rude stuff, just stupid stuff, rude and stupid. The other people I want to mention is uh, Dave Greenwich Construction, and uh, Dave just showed this uh, incredible kitchen remodel and uh just really you know it just yeah i like to see things when they're improved and uh it just brought up to date and fresh and new colors and and new textures and kitchens and baths and so dave is is the master it and uh i forget he said on his website or facebook site uh, green that's dave green it's construction facebook green with etz on the end green is construction it's facebook i think he was saying that they were starting new jobs and i don't know it was november or february new jobs they were booked all the way up to there but my feeling is if you're going to really do a big kitchen remodel or or a bathroom remodel you want it really you know three months goes by quick if you're waiting for the best so uh, i'd wait for the best if i were you if you're going to spend that kind of money because if you do it wrong then you got problems or it doesn't work, you know, it just doesn't work out, or just uh, you didn't get exactly what you wanted. It, things don't work, doesn't look right. Bummer. So also his website's greenitsconstruction.com. So you can, either way, you can communicate by, uh, by those uh, platforms to Dave, uh, send him an email or text or something. But if you want to go old school and uh, you're just an old boomer, and you you like to talk to you're used to talking to people on the phone just dial him up and uh if he doesn't answer immediately he'll call you right back that's different today most people just blow you off right he doesn't even though he's really busy so 530-682-9602 682-9602 so uh then the plumbing doctor it's ted holmes and uh, ted's helped me a lot i i had i came home one night i, I saw some sh- something shining in kind of my driveway i have grass up the st- strip of grass between my concrete drive lanes 
and I could see water standing. I thought, where did that water come from? And I thought, bummer, man, that's where my inlet, the line comes in right there. So I called Ted and Ted Holmes, plumbing doctor, and uh, he was in Idaho working on his son. His son fled. He's a refugee. He uh, he's fled the United, fled the uh, California, and uh, so he was over there. And he gave me a little counsel, and I talked to Cal Water guy and Anthony uh, Meyer came by. Everybody knows Anthony. He's been around this area for a while. He's a really sharp guy, good guy. His dad, Randy Meyer, and Uncle Mike Meyer, and his grandpa. Uh, they're all solid Meyer family over the years here. And, and, uh, so I don't know, it was just a weird thing that happened in between Ted and, uh, Anthony, they just didn't cost me a nickel and they just solved my problem. Unbelievable. So it's a plumbing doctor. It's five, three, zero, six, seven, one, nine, one, one, one. If you ever get in a jam and you need some plumbing. So the, what these guys do is they kick a little cash my way and help me out. And, um, uh, that uh, that helps me stay on the uh, internet. I was going to say I, I'm used to saying on the air, but it's it's not really the air. You know that. You know all that. So did you see that? You know, I was talking to somebody. In fact, I was talking to a candidate for supervisor over in Sutter County today, and I was talking to him about the book. I was, but I didn't refer to the book. But I was referring to some of the principles in the book, the five thousand year leap. And I was telling him how the uh, the founding fathers were very concerned about people that would serve and then want to pay themselves because they just didn't think they'd be serving for the right reasons. And then they also were very concerned about people that were dishonest and that wanted to serve because they were going to get something out of it. Like, look at me, I'm Mr. Big Shot or, uh, Oh, or, you know, they get some inside track and like today, you know, so you see a lot of people going on uh, boards to get business or to make decisions to like like uh, a good a good example is uh, Harry Reid, who is the uh, the head of the Senate. Right. Uh, for years, he's a Mormon guy. Harry Reid. He's from Nevada. Right. So he's one of the senators from Nevada. Now he's retired. Thank God. But Harry Reid constantly was was passing bills to fund different types of uh, superstructure or infrastructure in Nevada to benefit his land holdings. So he'd put a freeway coming right through his land. So it would cause the land to go up in, in value. And Harry Reid was the one who got the Bundys in trouble the Clive and Bundy family who had thousands of acres for over 150 years. Their great grandpa was over there. And uh, then they came in there and they decided that, that Obama and Harry Reid wanted to sell, start selling off Bureau of land management or federal lands, federal managed lands or state lands, sell it to the Chinese and they were all going to make money on it. And so they were progressively, uh, they were running ranchers off their land, and they were doing that by not giving them permits to be on the land anymore. They didn't. These ranchers were asked to, to ranch these lands and to, to uh, develop them hundreds of years ago, right, and uh, use them and benefit the, the, the state, inhabit the states, and they did that, and many Mormons did that. Uh, and so the Bundy family was a Mormon family. And they decided they wanted their property. 
So the way it was portrayed in the media was that the Bundys were cheapskates, they were criminals, and they wouldn't get a permit, and they were illegally grazing their land. Everything everything that was said in the media was exactly the opposite of the facts. And the facts, finally, even though the Bundys spent two years not just in jail but in solitary confinement, no bail, fighting their case, and they won both cases, one in Oregon and one in uh, in in Nevada. But what you have is Harry Reid was a crook, is a crook, and but there are a dime a dozen uh, in Congress, in city councils, in supervisors, in state legislature. They're in there for the wrong reason, and uh, so they do dishonest things. And so I was talking to this candidate, and he was wanting me to said, hey, "Lou, I want your support." Da da da. We were talking about why people run for office. And I said, a lot of people are there for all the wrong reasons. It's ego. Uh, they want to they get control so they can pass certain develop, change the zoning so somebody's property will then be developable or, or, that, or whatever. And so one of the candidates that's running, Carm Baines, in Sutter County, is running for one of the uh, supervisor spots. And interestingly enough, he happens to be uh, a business partner with one of the existing uh, supervisors, super, Supervisor Dan Flores. Now, I don't know whether you see a conflict there. It's interesting to me on when people vote for things, like recently there was a vote on the city council of Marysville to fire or not renew the contract of the city manager. And one of the city uh, council members, Brad Hudson, had a uh, he's he's got a building and a bar Stassi's Fourth Ward a famous bar historic bar in, in our count in our town and and before COVID it was a popular place for a lot of people and and so he wanted to use the upstairs which had never been used but for some reason and I don't know all the rules because I'm not a contractor uh, the ADA, the American Disability Act, forbid him to use it without doing a lot of changes, like maybe putting in an elevator or something, something. Anyway, he fell out of favor, or they got into a scrap, or the the he couldn't get the Brad Hudson couldn't get the city to do what he wanted, so he got angry at the city manager and then voted to fire her. Well, my feeling is that's fine. If you have a major disagreement with somebody, you can be angry at the city manager. You can be angry at the building department. But to then vote as as one of five people to fire somebody when when you have a conflict, when you're in business doing a business, that's a conflict of interest. But people do that today all the time. People violate the Brown Act, which is a an act where you're not supposed to discuss things when, where a majority of the, the board is not supposed to discuss issues outside of the meeting. In other words, they're not supposed to make the decision outside then then come in and just declare it inside. People do it all the time. The reason they do it is there's no there's no enforcement qualities to the um, to the uh, that that uh, act, the Brown Act, which which happened all the way back to the 1950s, I think. Well, I wanted to talk about this about integrity, and so somebody that worked for Goodyear. Uh, tires. Goodyear Tires is one of the famous, famous old school, old industry, old names and tires in the United States. In fact, I think about 20 to 25 percent of all new cars coming off the 
assembly line assembly line has Goodyear tires. Well, recently, you know how all these uh, you not only go and build tire, build cars, build tires, build build anything anymore without having all these human resources trainings, and you've got to. Uh, you know, so you're not sexually violating anybody or making sexist comments or racist comments or, you know, you're invading somebody's workspace. All this baloney. I'm so glad I don't. I never worked for a big business. Anyway, so they were having one of these employee trainings, sensitivity trainings, and one of the employees was shocked and uh, ended up taking a, a snapshot of the uh, the overhead and they were telling what there were be there was going to be zero tolerance of and so they said you could they were talking about clothing that you could wear while you're working for Goodyear and so acceptable was you could wear clothing with a black lives matter logo or a lesbian gay transgender pride logo or those names but you could not have anything uh that was conservative or pro trump uh the, let's see. Let me get. Let's see. Uh, well, let me get back up to the. I wanted to look at the act. Anyway, the guy took a photo, so it went all over the internet. The photo, and the guy says, "This is what Goodyear is anti-police." Uh, so it says here the morning after the leaked audio from a training session at the Topeka Goodyear plant. Now, this is, you, you, people don't sneak into plants and do trainings. This had to be good housekeeping stamp approval from Goodyear. So at the Topeka plant, uh, they have a zero-tolerance po- policy. They ban Blue Lives Matter apparel. Not Black Lives Matter. Blue Lives. Cop Lives. Right? They ban it. You cannot wear a cop shirt at the Topeka, Topeka can't, uh, uh, plant. So when this got out, that any kind of Blue Lives or conservative or MAGA uh Goodyear just lied about it. So Goodyear changed its tune and announced employees would wear pro-police clothing in its facilities. In other words, that was kind of the bottom line. But what they did is they they said they didn't even know who who did that presentation. It was not a it wasn't a corporate presentation. Actually, they I I will never buy a Goodyear product again. Instead of accepting and admitting. Like there used to be a uh, Korean pastor, had one of the biggest churches, had millions in his congregation in Korea. I can't remember his last name. He used to say, admit it and quit it. Admit it and quit it. Instead of admitted it, admitting it and quitting it, they just BSed everybody. So the police tribune <clears throat> reached out to Goodyear on on Thursday for comment on the leaked audio of the training and received a letter to customers from Goodyear. This is, this is so disingenuous. These people are just big liars. Why do you want to put tires on your car that the people are dishonest? They probably put a bad tire, uh, uh, on your car. This said the slide in question was created by a plant employee to try to explain what is acceptable to wear in the workplace. The slide was not approved or distributed by Goodyear Corporate or anyone outside the facility. I deeply get the impression it is created 
and want to clarify Goodyear's position. First, to be clear, Goodyear. Anyway, they went all this thing. We're, we we do not endorse candidates, organizations. We're we're totally neutral. We love everybody. We're just you know we we do kumbaya at lunch before we have our tuna sandwich. Uh, so we proudly supplied tires to police and fire personnel for more than a hundred years. You know, I told you they were around for a long time, but they got their nose broke because said some people may wish to express their views on social justice or inequity or equity issues such as Black Lives Matters, LBQT, XYZ, MOP, uh, or face coverings or shirts or wristbands. Uh, you know, but the fact is they they were breaking the nose. So the list. So here it is. The list of acceptable is what I said. Black Lives Matter and LB, LGBT. You know, it's ridiculous. The list of unacceptable includes Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, MAGA attire, and politically affiliated slogans on materials. So the guy they got caught, and they didn't cop to it. They said, "Oh, well, we don't even know who did that. It's just a big old. It's just a big old funky mistake." So as a supplier of ties, tires of police, fire, and other law enforcement departments across the U.S., it remains steadfastly in support of federal, state, and local law enforcement. The Goodyear statement, you liars, just big old liars. Why don't you just accept it? I always get a kick out of these politicians who've been screwing some other politician. And then they get the poor wife up there who is deer in the headlights she didn't do anything wrong and they get her up there and then they tell the guy tells how devoted they are to their family and they they love their wife and isn't she beautiful and all that kind of stuff unbelievable so uh it said but the fa- the company never did walk back its ban on blue lives matter until after the morning wave of viral anti goodyear sentiment including the president of the united states now let me do this one let's see we i think we got yeah this is our fifth segment so let me jump to this so there's a guy uh there's a church that's called harvest rock church it's located on the old Nazarene campus in Pasadena, California. And that campus now is called, oh, I can't even remember. It's a missions, it's a missions campus. It's all, it got bought up by the missions operation. And the whole, I, I went down and stayed for five weeks and took a course down there. And uh, it's, and so it has a big auditorium there that the campus used to use. And so they rent that out to Harvest Rock Church. They, the pastor's name is Che On, A-H-N, On, Che On. And I, it seems to me that Che's been up here and spoke at Glad Tidings, but maybe I've just been down there and heard him before because I have. And we actually shipped 100,000 pounds of rice for their church to uh, Indonesia to help the uh, poor Muslim garbage pickers, they call them. They work in the garbage heaps over there and uh we stumbled across a hundred thousand pounds of rice I, and at that time i didn't know about shipping or how to do it all and stuff so i just turned it on to uh Cheon's group and they they shipped it and um so anyway they got problems with their district attorney over there there's a guy named michael dowd who's a district attorney or prosecutor uh in the pasadena area i don't know what i can't even think what uh I don't, that wouldn't be Orange County, I don't think. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, he's over there uh, and he's giving them a hard time. We're going to take a break right now and we're going to finish up our last segment. And uh, 
So hold tight, and I'll see if I can make this adjustment. You can listen to these clips. I'll be right back, and I'll tell you about Jay. When you say Moderna. You know Moderna? Moderna is in stage three of their vaccine development. And, you know, the vaccine is already there. They're just pretending that they've got to develop it. It's already developed. Moderna, when Moderna was formed, the first CEO of Moderna was a young Cornell graduate by the name of Anthony Fauci. Interesting. He was the first CEO of Moderna when he graduated from Cornell. When he was at Cornell, his roommate was one Bill Gates. Interesting. Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci were roommates at Cornell. Fauci was the first CEO of Moderna. Moderna, the company Moderna, there was a company in World War II that was heavily involved with what happened in World War II. And I don't buy into the official story of World War II, but there were certain experiments that were being done and there was a company that was heavily involved by the name of IG Farben. IG Farben was run by a Jewish guy turned Nazi, later turned American, by the name of George Soros. George Soros broke up IG Farben and he formed Moderna. One of the main financial backers of Moderna. So the, you now you've got Bill Gates, you've got Anthony Fauci, you've got George Soros all involved in this whole Moderna thing. And one of the main financial backers of Moderna up until his alleged death was one Jeffrey Epstein. Interesting little circle of friendship, don't you see? And these people, mates, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's frustrating. It's frustrating looking at all this. Shit. It really is. Even with waking people up, I mean, there's other ways to look at this. There's other ways to look at what's really going on here. I mean, half of it is just frustration because it's going to come here. I mean, I don't want to get to the point where I can't go to the shop. And that's what it'll get to. I mean, they're saying, you know, oh, we're not going to make it mandatory. It's like they don't make it mandatory for the people on Centrelink here who receive Centrelink payments. They don't make vaccinations mandatory for them either. What they do is they send them a notice saying, listen, we're going to reduce your payments. Well, I think it's something like, 29 or 30 bucks a fortnight until you get your children vaccinated. And we're not just going to reduce it by, you know, 30 bucks or 29 bucks a fortnight this fortnight. We're going to do it this fortnight and then we'll reduce it again another $29 the next fortnight and then we'll do it again the next fortnight and this reduction will continue until you've got your children vaccinated. So we'll just basically reduce you to the point that you have no income whatsoever because we want to protect your children. It's just, but we're not going to make it mandatory. It's not mandatory. We'll give you a choice. You don't have to go and get vaccinated. You could uh, just let your payments get reduced to zero, or you could go get a job. But, of course, you won't be able to work in any of the industries unless you're vaccinated. But we're not going to force you to get vaccinated. This is how they do it, folks. This is how they do it. This, is, this whole thing, you know. And it's all because people, you know, won't stand up for themselves. They're not prepared to be human beings realise that they don't have any owners. We can do what we can, but it's not up to us to wake everybody up. If people don't get it, then they don't get it. 
And if they don't get it now, well, you know, ignorance is truly a choice in this day and age, folks. If they can't see what's happening, then I don't really know how to help them from that point, you know. But we've got to face the reality that, you know, a lot of people probably won't make it through. A lot of people probably won't get it. Why is a billionaire from New York who came down from an escalator who was twice married, three times, three times married and twice divorced, the most pro-life president in American history? Why is it that it took a billionaire from New York who was formerly a Planned Parenthood donating Democrat to put Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and 200 circuit court judges on the Supreme Court? Why is it that a guy that never served before in American politics is able to renegotiate NAFTA, get us out of the WTO, get, tell the WHO to go pound sand, tell the UN to go pound sand? renegotiate NATO altogether, get us out of the JCPOA, make sure those billions of dollars we sent Iran are not going there anymore, move the embassy to Jerusalem, recognize the Golan Heights, deregulate the American economy, make us energy independent, finally build the wall. Why is it that that guy did it? It's because every single other person that preceded him besides President Reagan was part of the problem. They are part of the very same community of people that were Ivy League educated, said one thing and did another, were part of the ruling class that protected the agency, protected the bureau, protected the DOJ, and as long as you said the right things and kept the deficits going, raised the taxes, deteriorated the industrial base, boosted Wall Street profits, kept the, kept the borders wide open so that we could have foreign nationals domiciling in this, our country that do not share our values, eventually get benefits, their kids can vote against our own values, then things will be just fine. Why is it that this guy is different? It's because unlike any other president, he could have been in the ruling class. He said no thanks. He had enough money to be in the ruling class. He's got more money than James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Struckstroke, Smirk, his lover, Lisa Page, and the person who probably published his book combined and multiplied times 100. He's the only president in modern history to have his own plane and actually go to probably a smaller plane when he becomes president of the United States. He's one of the only president, presidents that was a best-selling author, number one TV show on The Apprentice, NBC, literally was in every single rap song was glamorized. President Barack Obama said the American dream is to be what? Is to be Donald Trump. That's what he said the American dream was. Why is it that this guy's all of a sudden the populist here? He's supposed to be part of the ruling class. It's because he's a defector from it. It's because he was in the dinners. He was in the cocktail parties. He heard the language. He heard the contempt that the ruling class, the Wall Street financiers, the Washington, D.C. lobbyists, and the Silicon Valley elites that he had to be around. He knew the contempt that they had for the plumber, electrician, the carpenter, the bricklayer, and the person building the very same building that he was financing. So he took the woman rink mentality, the philosophy that built that woman rink quicker and better than anyone could have imagined, despite the New York City bureaucracy and the, munici the municipal burdensome rules. And he said, I'm going to bring this to Washington, D.C., and I'm actually going to do something that a politician has never done before. I'm going to tell you the truth, no matter how brutal and honest it is, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. From the time he went down the escalator, he was the only person running for office that talked about China immigration, the two issues that are most affecting our country now. How was this possible? Because he listened to the very people the ruling class hated. He would walk a job site and he would ask him, what, what's on your mind? He says, man, I'm really worried that we're getting taken over by China. I'm really worried that we're getting too many people in this country. I'm worried I can't pay for health care. He internalized. That's what a populist is, someone who listens to the people. So what makes President Trump different? This is a president who didn't need his job. He's the only president in American history who's going to be poorer after becoming president than before. He's not going to sign a book deal big enough to possibly make up for the gains. His son, investigated by every single authority imaginable, from Bob Mueller to the House Intelligence Committee to Adam Schiff to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, after being set up for that very same meeting. His businesses, audited and currently under criminal investigation by the New York Attorney General for no reason and no grounding for other. His other son, Eric Trump, his charity gets shut down for self-dealing despite no evidence at all. He just wants to give 
treatment to cancer kids, St. Jude's Hospital. His 11-year-old son, under constant and daily attacks for just existing as a teenager or early, you know, a 12 or 12 or 13-year-old in this society. How dare he live? He's the only person that would be more damaged materially, philosophically, and morally. Every other president ends up better on the back end. They end up being able to write their stoic journal and drama and being better respected. This guy is a vessel for us. A vessel for those of us that have nothing but resentment for the kingdom of Washington, D.C. The type of people that think everything is just perfectly fine because we, we, we just built a Hermes. Hermes is now in Reston, Virginia, don't you know? Louis Vuitton's in Fairfax County, everybody. Things are great. Didn't you know that we literally have Dolce & Gabbana now in Georgetown? Things must be wonderful. You go into Washington, D.C., the cranes are as far as you can possibly see. The construction cranes, they're trying to rebuild the, Par the Parthenon, the, the Giza pyramids quicker than anything I've ever seen. It's more construction happening in D.C. perpetually. Why? It's the only place in America. This is why 8 out of 10 of the wealthiest counties in America are around Washington, D.C. It's the only place in America where they get richer at gunpoint. They have a multi-trillion dollar cash flow happening into their center, into their power structure every single year, not because we want it. If Chicago and Minneapolis and Detroit, if people get rich there, they have to convince you to buy their products. Maybe it's manufacturing, maybe it's automobiles, maybe it's Best Buy, which is, of course, a Minneapolis company. But Washington, D.C. is different. They do it at gunpoint. This is why Trump is different, and that's why I wrote the book. I didn't have any skills. I didn't know how to fight. I didn't know double dutch. That's important. Some people don't know what double dutch is. I tell them it's when you get two Dutch guys and you get in the middle of that shit. That's what they told me. They used to tease me, you know, like I don't have a great African name. My name's Marina. African names have great meanings. Like my sister has the African name. Her name is Naila, which means one who succeeds. <laughs> Marina just means a place where you dock boats. <laughs> and you can take that any way you want. They're <laughs> still looking. This one girl that really wanted to kick my ass really bad, too, you know, because I was a new girl and I talked funny. And this girl was like, ugly, that's important information. Because ugly girls can fight. She was coming at me all ugly and stuff. She didn't care about getting fucked up because all this was already all fucked up. She was coming at me. She was like, who the hell are you? place where you dock boats. Man, she knocked me the fuck out. I remember coming to in the principal's office. The principal was surprisingly white. And I remember, you know, I'm bilingual. I'm going to use my white voice. She was like, Marina, you never get into any trouble. What happened? And I was like, I don't really know what happened. I mean, that Negro hit me. And she got suspended. I didn't. Let me say, since, since we've been together. Oh, loving you forever is what I need. 
All right. So Cheon has been threatened uh, by Michael Dowd. And he says, uh, because they, they've been having indoor worship service just like we have up here at Church of Glad Tidings. They're, they're, again, they're in Pasadena. And the, the recent uh, China virus orders are that no churches can meet inside. Uh, so Michael Dowd's saying, we're going to prosecute you. And uh, says your compliance, he wrote him a letter, said your compliance with these orders is not discretionary. It is mandatory. Each day in violation is a separate violation and carries with it potential punishment of up to one year in jail and fine for each violation. The city then threatened to arrest the entire congregation. Wouldn't that be fun? One time we, a couple hundred of us went up and blocked the abortion clinic that Planned Parenthood has in Chico. Not everybody was from Glad Tidings, but a bunch of us were, maybe 50. And we all got arrested, and they, they, they didn't use handcuffs because they didn't have enough, so they, they used those uh, zip ties, and they threw us on city buses and hauled us over and booked us and put us in jail cells. So that'd be something to take down the whole congregation, right? So um, any violations in the future, Dowd says, will be subject will subject your church, your the owners of the church, the administrators, operators, staff, and parishioners to the above-mentioned criminal penalties as well as potential closure of your church. Well, Mr. Dowd, he must have a lot of time on his hands down there since they're letting all the people out of prison. So uh, Matt Staver, who is a founder of Liberty Council, I think, I don't know whether they started down in Texas or not. They're not up here. They didn't start up here in California. But Matt Staver, founder of Liberty Council, is representing Harvest Rock Church. He said he was stunned by the threat of prison. Criminal activity, said Staver, he was talking on the radio, said, let that sink in. You can face up to one year in prison. And if you do it again, and don't stop another year in prison. That is stunning. That is happening in the United States of America, or as George Washington would say, United America. Uh, Staver, the attorney, pointed out that city leaders are perfectly fine with people protesting in the streets, but you can't gather in a church building. Uh, the same prosecutor turned a blind eye to the thousands of protests that have paraded the streets and caused damage in the city of Pasadena. So I guess they had some trouble down there. He said the crackdown on Christian worship in California is similar to what happened in the Marxist countries. This is what Matt Staver, the attorney, said. Similar to what happened in Marxist countries where government leaders shut down and padlocked the churches and then jailed Christians. And I have met some of those people in China that were jailed. Alan Yuan, you can look him up on the internet. Alan, Alan, A-L-A-N, Y-U-A-N. I met with him and his wife. I think he was in his late 80s, maybe early 90s when I was there. We smuggled Bibles into Beijing. And he was living in kind of a one-room house under house arrest. They had a guard just down the, the block, 15, 20 paces from where we were. And Alan Yuan, who had been had done 25 years of hard labor, when the communists took over, and uh, finally they released him, but they kept him under house arrest. And so I've met a number of people that have been, in fact, I've, I've met others in Vietnam that have been arrested. And uh, so it says the, he, he, this attorney relates it to Marxist countries, which I've spent time in. 
On plans, Che On plans to stand behind the pulpit on Sunday, and the church members will be seated in the pews. Uh, he said he's. Staver said On has counted the cost way before this happened, and so I'm interested. We're following this. I'm interested because I know these people, and I've actually sat in the. Uh, oh, the the name of the place in Pasadena is U.S. Center for World Missions. That's it's the old. The new uh, Nazarene campus moved out on the ocean, uh, Point Loma, I think they call it. And it's right looking over the ocean. But the old campus, and it's really old, but it's nice. And they call it U.S. Center for World Missions. And on that, uh, on that campus is a nice big theater-type facility. And... Um, that's where Cheon has conducted their church for many, many, many years. So they do good. Uh, let's see. Okay, I'm just looking at a couple things here. Okay. I had a friend. It's interesting, this thing I read you for, from Dr. Lou about education. said you can't have a tutor. This morning, a friend of mine, Nellie Garcia, she has a North Valley paralegal. In fact, if you need a good paralegal person... You should call North Valley Paralegal. She's located in Yuba City off Sutter Street now. She just moved over there and got a new building, a different building. And uh, so, in fact, she just did some work for me, got me some money. And uh, she does good work, but she's a friend of mine, and she was dropping by these uh, petitions for the recall. And she has two young boys she's raising on her own. And uh, so she said, Lou this this distance learning and she's a sharp lady very sharp she said this distance learning on computer for my child is ridiculous and you know logging on connecting up with zoom and then she said once i got on there they're going to be on there for 15 minutes with my boy who's a very young child like kindergartner first and what they did was because, you know, the interesting thing is now with all the Zoom stuff, whether you're in college, high school or whatever, parents can watch what the teacher is actually teaching. And a lot of the professors at colleges that are charging parents twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, they're freaked out because now parents are just saying, I'm paying this money for that, what that guy's saying right now. So now these people, it's exposing these guys and these ladies, uh, anti-America, racist, uh, and communist-type baloney. So she said all they did in the first 15 minutes was read a book on pirates. Of all the, all the topics you could read a book on, whether you're trying to just get them to learn words or whatever sounds, words— like, why couldn't you just read a book about the Patriots instead of Pirates? Man, I wish I was younger again. There are so many great resources, like this book I just talked to you about earlier, The 5,000-Year Leap. But <clears throat> there's all kinds of books. I just ordered a bunch from the um, from Fee. I, I, I can't break from the mic now because I don't have another break, but it's, uh, it's a, it's a uh, libertarian... Uh, education on teaching people about capitalism, uh, free enterprise, all that kind of stuff. Really good. I ordered a bunch of small books, and you could get those for your teenagers. A very easy reading, and it's to edu I'm telling you, 
that we can do a better job because we have all the literature and the uh, we have the internet. We have all you know. We have all these resources now. We're resource rich, and the fact that our kids were getting starved in the public school system, they're intellectually starved and abused. And so I I was talking to a lady that she homeschooled all her kids. I think she had about six or seven. She's from Nevada County, and she comes to the Glad Glad Tidings on Saturday night. And she was telling me, she said, Lou, we would just be done. They would keep the kids in school for a whole day. We would be done with all our curriculum to keep up with school in a few hours, and they could just go to work and go do stuff. So uh, I think what I'm going to do maybe for the next – our next get together here is put together some great books that your teenagers or even middle schoolers could read. Like I know Rush Limbaugh has some great books. I bought those for my grandkids uh, that they're entertaining and they educate you on really what it was like when the pilgrims came or what it was like when the, then the, uh, the revolution or the declaration of independence or all those very significant times in our history. And uh, the cool thing is, is that now, like I, I have my friend Phil Enright, who is uh, Australian, and he loves America. He He's immigrated here, and he's married a Chinese woman who was born and raised in China, and he's working on trying to get his uh, immigration status. And he loves Thomas Jefferson, and he gave me a film that I haven't watched yet, but it's on Adam Smith, right? And so Adam Smith had the early uh, concepts or doctrines of capitalism. And you can just see that on video now, right? You don't need a teacher. In fact, it's better than a teacher. And so to me, uh, when people are feeling awkward right now and they're freaking out about the school system, but but as soon as... Uh, they're not going to arrest people for being involved in sports. Uh, I think the sports leagues will spring back up, but the education side of it is, and plus people will have to fill in. I think it, people can create whether they want to create their own orchestras or bands. I was in band and, and orchestra in grammar school. I loved it. It was great. Learned a lot about music. It's good for the brain. But there, all those things can come together in the private sector, and we do not need the public education system. It's it's bloated. It's run by communists. Uh, it's people are overpaid and they underperform. Uh, that's just the way it is. So I, I wanted to mention what I uh, had to stop and reach across the room here to grab is I wanted to mention uh, trauma intervention program. I mentioned I was dealing with some problems today. They were just other people's problems that they needed a hand with, and it was we've done three trauma calls today. And um, so this is the time of year. This on on the way up to December, we take about a quarter to work on trying to raise some money to fund next year. So um, if you are interested, you may not be interested because you're living in another state, which is totally fine. Support things down there. We we don't need your money. Uh, but if you're up here and you're going to donate money to a good nonprofit. The, the unique things about trauma intervention is we work with police, fire, and the hospital, and the bike county ambulance people, and we we help everybody. If, if you're into children, or you're into old people, or you're into middle-aged people, or you're into these these flavors or that flavors, we help everybody. We we don't ever ask who got hurt, who got killed, and we go out and provide emotional, practical support to people, 
and help them deal with the first few hours of a really arduous situation. So uh, I'm going to give you a couple ways if you're interested. And, oh, here's the other thing that's unique about TIP uh, is that we don't own any property. We're not paying for property. We're not paying for buildings. Uh, we all operate out of our homes, and so we, we do have computers and we have technology and we have insurance and stuff like that for liability insurance. We have technology to communicate with a 911 system. So we have expenses, but we don't have a lot of, we don't have any brick and mortar stuff, right? And we don't have any salaries right now, right? Because I'm running it and I don't need a salary. So all the money goes to our clients that really need some help. And it goes to train emergency responders and train citizens to be involved in TIP. So you can get involved if you want to help us. If you don't, totally cool. Uh, don't worry about it. But you could, one way is just do old school and send us a check to TIP at P.O. Box 645, Marysville, 95901. That's California. P.O. Box 645, Marysville. And it's just TIP, Trauma Intervention Program. But just initials to do, TIP. Or if you don't do checks anymore, and you just do electronic, you can go to GoFundMe.com backslash tip2021. GoFundMe.com backslash tip2021. Or you can go to our website and just go to the donation. Just click on that donation button. Our website is YubaSutterTip.org. YubaSutterTip.org. And just click on the donation button, and you can pay with PayPal or any any kind of mechanism you want. If you're if you're done doing uh, if you're done doing paper donations, so also if you don't want to do money but you want to give us something, like uh, back in the years gone by when we used to do food fundraisers like tri tip fundraisers and stuff, which we can't do right now, and they're not profitable that profitable anymore for us anyway, but. Back in the day, people would donate, say, a, a use of a cabin for a weekend at some area, and we'd be able to auction that off. So we can auction stuff off online, <laughs> and uh, so that works. We had Portland, Oregon tip got a used Harley given to them, and they auctioned that off. So stuff, we could use stuff as well. Uh, if you have points on your uh, airline points where you could get give points for tickets that's helpful we could auction that off so there's ways that if you have stuff or things or tickets to things those are also helpful so i'll leave that there uh i bring it up because um it's a good it's a good program we do about 37 people say well, i wonder how busy you know I, I have you ever given it a nonprofit and then you find out well they don't really do much work you know for all the money they have so i'm not putting down other people i'm just saying that happens because i've i give money away all the time and i feel good about it right i want to support things that i feel good about so in this program uh we invest about uh i'm looking at the number here forty thousand hours of service a year in the yuba Sutter area and and if you look at the amount of money of value they the, the federal government puts a value on a volunteer hour if you look at that multiply it out we give a basically a million dollar program for free to the emergency response system here in Yuba Sutter area. 
And uh, so in, in, in since 1994, December 94, we started, we've done over uh, probably about 11,200 911 responses. So we're pretty busy, and we, we have great people, wonderful people, and they're from teenagers, young teenagers, even some that don't even drive yet. We train them as well, same as adults, and we uh, – and then – there's no age limit as long as people are competent get get out there and go for it we we're good with them so if you ever are interested in being involved in tip you can just uh, go on our website ubasuttertip.org and go to uh one of volunteer and you could send me a memo off that website and i'll i'll give you a shout out from my from my email and then we'll have a talk so um anyway we'll leave that with you Okay, so I didn't get to the Gavin Newsom thing, like I said, about the recall. Rich, actually, let me get down here, and you could go on the Internet and find this article probably and just read it yourself. It will uh, – uh, let's see, where is it? Yeah, it's – I'm close. I'm close. we got a couple minutes to go here. We're good. Okay. It's all about, it says, why a Newsom recall could succeed. Why a Newsom recall could succeed. It's by, sorry, I call it Richard Ring. His actual first name is Edward Ring, R-I-N-G, Edward, E-D-W-A-R-D. I don't know whether he writes for Cal Matters or one of these Cal somethings. But if you just if you do that, why a Newsom recall could succeed, Edward Ring, anything Edward Ring writes is good. He's very thorough, very detailed, and uh, he's a good writer. So he wrote this on, um, actually wrote it in June 28 of this year. So he he kind of details out Gavin Newsom's performance or lack of performance in five different areas. And uh, really exposes uh, his incompetence, and uh, you know, just he is just isn't performing well. Whether you whether you look at homelessness or public education, or water issues, or housing issues. Did you know? I, I don't know if you were out in California, man. We got. I I think we have special mosquitoes this year. They're faster. I can't either. I'm losing my swat. I can't swat fast enough. But they they are biting me. And uh, I can't catch them. They're just fast. They're not those old slow mosquitoes we used to have. Maybe they're on meth. Maybe these are meth mosquitoes. You know, they what were those bumblebees? These bees were supposed to come up here and kill everybody. Killer bees or something like that. Maybe these are like meth mosquitoes. So uh, anyway, uh, that's it for today. Uh, and if you want to... Uh, Why don't you come and give some money to Tamika Hamilton? Or just if you don't want to go to the, the if you don't want to give that much, uh, you could give, just get, get online to Tamika Hamilton and give her some money. And also this gal back in uh, Baltimore, uh, Kim, what, Klasik, I think it's Klasik, K-L-A-C-I-K. That gal is amazing. In fact, you'll you'll hear her, you heard her at the start of the show today uh, do the little rant there. And uh, really, we got some amazing. I'm impressed by the women uh, I've been seeing that are running for office uh, around the United States. Very impressive. Korean women, black women, white women, just like getting it on. Come on. All right. So do something good this week. 
Uh, you never know who you're going to meet. Your level of somebody walk up to you on the street. It could be God sending somebody to you to to do something with them. So, pay attention. And if you're if you're a God fearing person, uh, you might get it get involved in a miracle. So, uh, okay, this is uh, we'll we'll catch you. The next show is going to be in September. So, God willing, I'll be back and uh, hang in there. Okay, God bless you. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Someone